I hate the fact that it's cool to be black these days. Good. I hate this hip-hop fucking influence on white fucking suburbia. Good. And I hate Tabitha Soren and all her Zionist MTV fucking pigs telling us we should get along. Save the rhetorical bullshit, Hillary Rodham Clinton, because it ain't gonna fucking happen. Open our eyes. Every night, thousands of these parasites stream across the border. Over two million illegal immigrants bedding down in this state tonight. million dollars just to lock up a bunch of illegal immigrants, criminals. There's nothing funny going on here. This is about your life and mine. Statue of Liberty, it says, give me your tired, your hungry, your poor. Well, it's Americans who are tired and hungry and poor. And I say until you take care of that, close the fucking book. going on and I don't see anybody doing anything about it and he fucking pisses me off this isn't our fucking neighborhood it's a battlefield
Good motherfucking evening, everybody. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another episode of The Eagle's Nest. It's your boy, John Fashcroft. And with me, as always, is my man, Akila the Eagle. How are you doing, brother? I'm very well, John. Very excited for the show. Very, very fucking excited for the show, man. Guys, with us tonight, we have somebody I've been wanting to talk to for, God, at least five, six years, man. This guy's done some of the best work that's been done uh, here in the, in the recent, uh, our recent period of dissident politics, man. Mr. Rob Rundo, how are you, brother? I'm doing all right, man. Thank you for the, uh, for the warm welcome, man. Glad to be on. No, man, it's an honor to have you here, brother. It's an honor to have you here, man. So thank you for coming on. Real quick, I want to say what's up to the chat, and then we'll roll right on into this thing. What's up, Smitty? What's up, Saxon Roxwell? What's up, brother? Uh, I'm Harry R. What's up, Bubba? Johnny Reb? What's up, fam? Little Buddy. Face Vlad. Jack Handy. What's up, y'all? Thanks for being here. Americana. What's up, Gordon? How are you doing, brother? Uh, hail to you. Uh, Fash Maverick. Jack Dark. Sunshine. Moon Man. What's up, family? Thank you all for being here. Uh... Who else we got here? Hasbro Seidel, Salty Four, <laughs> Salty Foreskin, uh, Arcade Outpost. What's up, family? Thank you all for being here, man. All right, that's the top of my chat. Let's get on into it. I was muted. I was muted. Salty Foreskin. That's almost as good as uh, Belt Loops matter. <laughs> Belt Loops is a good guy. You know, I really need. He and I were going to get together on a project, and I've been slow playing it. Uh, so I need to get my shit together on that and get it, get it in the, get it in motion. But anyhow, with us tonight, guys, as I said, is Mr. Rob Rundo, man. And if you guys don't know who Rob Rundo is, I don't know how. I don't know how you've made it this fucking far and ain't figured out who he is. But if you don't know, he's the guy who founded, you founded Ram, right? That's that's right, correct to say, right? Yeah, you yeah, and, you know, Ram, uh, will to rise, media to rise. Many people have said the active club term. I was the first one to kind of... Um, kind of come up with that term not you know the idea has probably been around for for a while being you know street activists like that but i think packaging it in that way uh some would say that i came up with that you definitely figured out how to do that shit right man uh that's something i want to get into here in a little bit before we get deep into like the 3.0 style and the way you have switched it up and the reason it instantly caught my eye uh i do want to kind of if you don't mind get into like so i've talked about this ad nauseum uh people are probably tired of hearing about my upbringing but uh just real quick man i grew up all fucked up uh parents were on drugs lived in a really fucked up apartment complex it was full of uh asians Hmong people and um blacks and mexicans real fucked up had a rough go at it ended up in the penitentiary and that's kind of where i got my shit together i ended up in the penitentiary for mdma and uh when I got to the prison yard they ended up sending me to, uh, gave me, they had a Votech program, right? So that's where I got my trade at. I ended up going into the electrical program and getting my trade in, in the correctional facility, man. And that's kind of what got my life in, in, on the right track. And right as I came out of the penitentiary, and you know how penitentiary politics work, I was already fed up yep. with niggers. I was already fed up with niggers. And then right as I come out, uh, the Michael Brown thing happened. Like, right as I came out of prison, the Michael Brown shooting happened, and shit went ape shit. <clears throat> so I found myself getting into it with people, old friends uh, that I grew up with, and telling them, like, dude, you know how these motherfuckers are. You've seen it. Like, I've told the story before. I watched a nigger try to burn an apartment building down over a basketball game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we know how these people behave, so why are you acting like this is a big fucking tragedy 
when some nigger gets made good by the police. But uh, anyway, long story short, that's kind of how I came into all this, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Going through that, living that life, going through the penitentiary, seeing how uh, politics really work when shit hits, when, when the hammer's on you, seeing how things really work. You know what I mean? And then getting out and seeing that everybody is like hands across America for these total pieces of shit. And, uh, you know, that began my descent into dissident politics, right? So, like, how did you, like, how was your upbringing? And, like, how did you get into all this shit? Yeah, I mean, what you just said sounds, you know, there's a, a, a lot of similarities right there. I mean, I picked up my trade uh, in prison as well, HVAC. And then I got out and started working for the union in HVAC. So, <clears throat> and prison was where I got my life together. But um, I grew up in Queens, New York, in uh, Flushing, single ma, you know, living, uh, put it this way, at, at like age 13, I was already, you know, uh, there was nothing she could say to me. She, she was taking care of my other siblings, and uh, I was already like out the house, you know, looking yeah. for, for, for all the things young guys look for out in the streets, you know what I mean? And I got all caught up into that type of um, lifestyle real quick. I think it was at age, I was either 15 or 16, I always forget, and I was um, big into graffiti, obviously, in New York City, and where I was from, Flushing, Queens, is not like the rest of New York at all. Flushing, Queens is, is, is a very different part of New York City because it's stuck in the past. It's like, um, we're the last stop on the 7 train, you know, and... Um, it's it's kind of an isolated area. It's still kind of working class, although now it's like filled with like chinks and such. And then we had MS-13 and, and blacks and all this stuff. But it, it was much different from the rest of New York City. Like while the rest of New York City was getting hipstered and like, you know, parts of it gentrified or like, you know, completely ghetto and stuff. Like by us guys were like, I mean, chicks were still wearing like the hoop earrings with the Adidas tracksuits and such. You know what I mean? Like every oh, yeah. block had its had its had its crew. You know what I mean? Had its had its neighborhood thing. Um, you know, it was a heavy Irish and Italian. You know, well, not heavy, but all the whites were Irish and Italian, pretty much. That that um, were the, were of us. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, I was part of a, a crew. It was like called OFC. You know, one family crew or original Flushing crew had a couple of different meanings anyway. And yeah, I think um, for racial politics, already we already kind of already just in New York City, you already have that. It, it was already like, I mean, when you go to, I mean, even at 13, I mean, you, when you're in the cafeteria, like the blacks had a table, Asians had a table. And then we were kind of at this like mystery meat table because, yeah, it was like whites, but then you had a, you had a couple Latinos. Actually, we had like zero. We had never had blacks. So we did. We did kick it with a bunch of like Puerto Ricans and such like this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was 15. I got sent to a juvenile program for a uh, I had shoe polish on me and uh, <clears throat> we were cutting school. And I was tagging up the night before with this like a uh, shoe polish just hitting everything, bus stops and all this such. And uh, they stopped us. It was one of my friends was uh, mouthing off to the cop. I threw the shit. I actually ended up throwing the shoe polish. Cop found it. Anyway, long story short, he came up to me, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, uh, what did he tell me? I was actually right in front of my apartment building. And uh, I was like, this is right at the end of it. We were walking around the whole time, like, you know, smoking cigarettes around the neighborhood, tagging on stuff. We're on my street. We're about to, you know, get into my apartment building. We get stopped. 
buy on the covers, then blue and white show up, all this crazy shit. And um, he, the undercover puts his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, he's like, listen, man, he's like, this is your apartment over here? And I was like, yeah, man, this is, this is me, this is me. He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, look, you, you look like a good kid. You're from the neighborhood. He's like, listen, why don't you just tell me what you're tagged on? We'll get you a little ticket. We'll get you right out of here. And I was like, all right, man, yeah, I, I tagged on that stop sign. And he was like, he looks at me. Mm. He's like, you did the right thing. Book him. <laughs> yeah. Six months. And uh, two lessons were learned. One, never admit to shit. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. There's never, never admit to anything uh, when, when it comes to law enforcement. But, um, yeah, when if, I was they, in- if, they got, if they got you, they ain't asking you no fucking questions. If they're asking you questions, that's because they need something. You know what I mean? Just that's, shut the fuck exactly. up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and also, too, never plead, you know, when you're on the street corner talking to, like, you know, cops, that's not the time to plead your case. In front of the judge is when you have your, your chance to say on the street that nothing you say really is going to, to make a difference at all. But um, anyway, I went to this program, Phoenix House. It was around – it was like uh, instead of going to Rikers Island because at this time I only had, like, uh, park after dark tickets or, or open container. You know, I didn't really have a criminal record, you know. And – um. I got sent to this program, Phoenix House, which actually, you want to hear the crazy part about this. I don't, I don't know how much time we have to, if, uh, to go into all, really. We got plenty noise. of time, bro. Yeah. So they first, they first gave me uh, probation. And um, my probation officer was this woman, Miss Brown. I still remember her. Big, fat, black chick, like real sheboon, you know? And anyone that's been in New York City or, or maybe it's, it was the same for you. Maybe, like, I don't know if it, it might be the same for everywhere, you know? But in New York City, all these like probation officers, all these Shibun city workers, all of them are all like fucking like hardcore. And this is years ago. Remember, this is years and years ago, you know. But even at that time, we're all like had the Pan-African flags in their office, pictures yeah. of MLK, Malcolm X. Yeah, all that shit was in the office. I, I remember this at, at, at still at this age, you know. And um, this was this was the second part of how I, I fucked myself. So first, I admitted that I tagged on the sign, which brought me to the probation. And then the uh, next part. So because my crime wasn't violent, they actually. Well, let me tell you. Let me let me get my thoughts correct. My crime wasn't violent. It's was just vandalism. You know, graffiti, possession yeah. of a instrument. And they wanted to send me to this program. But they needed me to be violent and to send me there. And so what this woman did, and here I am at like 15 years old, she tells me, she goes, listen, you go into this program, you're going to be there for two years. But, you know, if you're a violent guy, we can't send you there uh, because we got to make sure everyone else there is going to be safe. You know, so if you're a guy who gets into fights and all this, then we can't send you to the program. So me. As a 15-year-old kid, I turned around. I'm like, violent. I was like, man, I'm the most fucking violent guy. Man, I get in fights all the time, man. I fight anybody who, you know, and I, <laughs> yeah. I, I run my beak off. And then she looks and she says, good, good. And then I sat in, in – um, I went to Phoenix House for uh, six months. And in that program, uh, it was just me and one other white. And all the counselors were black. Everybody was black. And that's really – because in – where I was at before, you know, we exp- we had encounters with blacks, but we we never mixed. You know, they kind of lived in their side of the neighborhood. We lived in ours. We weren't so close, you know. Yeah. And here was my 
that was my experience, you know what I mean? And uh, when I came out from there, you could say I, I had a pretty bad taste in my mouth um, about them. I, I already didn't like them, you know, from that. I got into a lot of fights when I was in there. The counselors were, like, really, uh, you know, used to always, like, white boy this or call me Slim Shady, always trying to do shit like this. So, you know, it was uh, a learning yeah. experience for me. Yeah, no, I had a similar experience at a, a a work center, a halfway house, right? One of these work release places where you can go, like you're locked up there, but you can leave and go hold a job. It was called Avalon in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. That place got shut down because the nigger, all the fucking guards there were fucking niggers. Uh, the, the warden that was there was like this old ass white man who was a, an absolute bitch. They walked all over this guy. And that place got shut down because the nigger guards and, and counselors and shit were setting up fights between inmates and betting on them. This made the news and everything. So, yeah, I know, what you're, ta- yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I know what you're talking about, man. You cannot give these people power over whites, man, because they absolutely abuse it. It goes to their head. I also had a, I had a black science teacher in middle school who always wore the African continent. Like, you were talking about them having Pan-African flags and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had, yeah. like, a necklace with, like, the African fucking continent on it and shit. So, yeah. yeah, it was one of the wooden that they wear, you know, like, with the big wooden bead <laughs> on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, his, his was beaded, but it wasn't wooden. It was, like, uh... Those little bitty, it was like the colors of the flag, right? The red, yellow, and green, or whatever, or the yeah, uh, like oh, whatever it was. And it was like those plastic beads, those little bitty plastic beads. It was fucking ridiculous, but yeah, same concept. Yeah, yeah. So it is the same everywhere. Then, so I, I mean, I figured it was pretty much like that. Wherever they kind of take power, you know, or put in those positions, they all, you know, kind of exactly the same all across the board. Oh yeah, and especially da- down here. Well, I'm not nec- I'm not technically in the south. I'm in Oklahoma, and down here in these areas, and like especially in the south, niggers are especially anti-white, right? Because they still got some of that residual hatred from you know what they think everybody did to them. So it- it's really yeah. tense in-, in the south, uh, racially. It's like like uh, it was even like it's like the racial politics as far as incarceration goes, or all the way, even in county jail here. Right, like you're not gonna go into county jail and go sit at the table with the Mexicans or the blacks and eat eat lunch or dinner, right? They're gonna look at you like you're fucking insane. Yeah, so even in county jail, it's like that here. Yeah, you know the funny thing in New York, there's not there's not any politics like that because there's no fucking whites. <laughs> you know, I've heard that. Just, I was. Yeah, yeah you're just a fucking own man. You're, you're it's you against the world, bro. Like and and I mean, can't, like you might get lucky. Like I, I end up going. I was in Rikers Island for a little bit, and then I went to Green Correction, and I, I came across a handful of whites, and even still, I mean, really, it was like slim, slim picking, because even the whites were all fucking, all strung out, just fucked up, fucked just, up. you know, yeah, yeah just, just all messed up out of the game, you know? Um, Hell yeah. But anyhow, but yeah, man, no. go ahead. Yeah, so I was going to say, I had, I had a, or, or go ahead, uh, Achilles. No, not at all. Just saying that's no help at all. You got junkies all around you. You're not getting help from those guys. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, I mean, we'll, I, we'll probably get out, I guess, do one thing at a time. But, um, yeah, anyway, so I, I got out of Phoenix House. Um, right when I got out, a lot of El Salvadorians moved into the neighborhood. And, uh, shit really kicked off pretty heavy you know at this time and the uh, the one good thing i would say about my neighborhood about flushing was that uh uh the fact that it was 
predominantly Asian, like majority Asian, like you went to the McDonald's, it was written in uh, Korean, you know what I mean? Is wow. that they don't, uh, they actually leave you alone. They don't, they don't pay attention to you at all. They're in their own complete parallel society. You were like, you don't even exist. You know what I mean? In it, you could, I, I could tell you stories of where guys like, like that incident that I got arrested for, where I got into that altercation with the guy that happened in daylight time. You know what I mean? And like Asians just just walked across the, the opposite side of the streets. They just walked. Nobody pulled out their cameras and filmed. Nobody called. Everyone just kind of just minds their own. You know that they're, they're like uh, bug people. You know what I mean? That they, they're just like hive hive minded. You know they just go to yeah. and from work. They don't pay attention to anything else on the way. So for us, when we were young like this, we were able to you know uh, really go crazy in our neighborhood at the time. And police kind of let's say allowed a lot of the the stuff to go on on purpose, you know? Dude, it's crazy you say that about the Asians where you're from kind of just being in their own thing because I guess it's because... Cation, yeah. Well, the where I'm from, they're like... Uh, we call them chiggers. They're like Asian wiggers. Um, I guess because Oklahoma has a very strange relationship with California because uh, our history's been shared since, like, the Dust Bowl. There's been a lot of transplants back and forth. A lot of people from Oklahoma back during after the Dust Bowl went to California to work and shit because they'd fucked everything up here. So there's always been this pipeline between the two. And I guess because of that, we have like a real um, West Coast gang culture here. Right. So like the, the Negro and Mexican and even Asian gangs are all uh, just like carbon copies of West Coast Crips and Bloods. So the Asians that lived in my apartment complex, I mean, this apartment complex was fucking full of them, dude. They were Hmong, which is down by Thailand and all that shit. And Laos is Southeast Asian. And they all called themselves Asian Crips. And it was the craziest shit you ever seen, man. They dressed like Mexicans. They dressed like Cholos and called themselves Crips. It was fucking wild, dude. <laughs> so the craziest shit you'll ever see. I've I've actually only seen that on like uh, even when I was in California I didn't really see I seen that stuff on like TV and all that I mean I yeah I seen on the street but never experienced it I mean we had in New York oh you dropped out Rob I don't know if you're still there yeah it's exactly I was just about to say that I mean you had some like you know real about it inside school I went to Flushing High School yeah you guys there it sounds like no we we lost we lost you for a minute, but you're back now. All right. Yeah, you dropped out for a second. But no, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's it's a lot like those kids from uh the 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 guys from Gran Torino, right? It was a lot like that. How they were like choloed out, <clears throat> but I I don't remember if in Gran Torino they called themselves Crips or not. But these guys called themselves Crips, right? They they had uh yeah they had adopted that that culture. I don't know. It was really fucking bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had our own brand of, of, of like, you know, chiggers, I guess you would call them, like these, like, hood-ass Koreans, you know, rocking North Faces bandanas, but they, they were kind of small, and, and they were pretty more, like, well, let's say, organized, because there was, like, in, in Flushing, I mean, I think at, at one time, that was, like, the biggest, um, it, like, biggest prostitution ring got busted there, and then... Actually, you know what's funny? There used to be this. What they used to do is they used to take 
by these Korean churches all throughout the neighborhood, right? So they were, like every block, there was like a Korean church, and they would use these Korean churches as fronts. They would do gambling in them, and then they would do people smuggling. And we used to hang out in front of this deli. Uh, there was like this wall by it, and we used to just hang out there all night and sit on this wall, drink and smoke, and we'd be there at like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And across the street from us was this Korean church. And when we were like here, we were, we were like 17 at the time. We, we already knew what the business was like. We used to see like, you know, the lights on in this church, tons of people walking around. And we always knew we were like, man, it's like, you know, totally like a, a, some type of human trafficking thing. Fuck, some yeah. Shit <laughs> yeah. And then one day they actually end up raiding that church and they found something like 140 mattresses like at uh, downstairs. They had like Damn. 140 people living in the place. Yeah, yeah. Son of a bitch, dude. Wicked. Yeah. <clears throat> nah. All the all the all those dudes uh that used to run around in my apartments, they all were real big into like the pool halls. You would see them hanging out in like the pool halls around town. They were real big into like shooting pool. It was bizarre. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chinese yeah, Chinese up in Montreal are always in the pool pool halls for sure. They love gambling. They, anytime they get anywhere near a casino, they all hang out wherever they can gamble. Yeah, and I've t- I've yeah, talked about New York for gambling as well. Hey, yeah. real quick, and then we'll get off the the, the chink shit. But <laughs> they played the cool. They played the coolest fucking game. I will give them this. Those Hmong kids played the coolest fucking game I've ever seen in my life. They played this game. Uh, it's like volleyball, but they use this little plastic fucking ball, and they kick it. They only use their feet. They can't use their hands, so they're like doing backflips and shit kicking this thing around, playing volleyball with their feet. We used to sit out there in the apartments and watch them play it all the fucking time. But anyhow, that's neither here nor there. Uh, so, yeah, how did you first get into, like, doing, uh, or, like, pro-white activism and shit like that, man? So, uh, <clears throat> I mean, when I, when I, so I got out of prison after that altercation with the MS guy, and I was on a, on like really strict parole, you know, I had curfew, you got to be home at nine o'clock. I had this, uh, parole officer that used to really show up like constantly at my house. So like, I really had to be there all the time, you know? So I had a lot of time inside the house, you know, I was working or I was home pretty much, you know? And I, I don't really remember exactly how I came across, cross it, but I stumbled, I was already feeling, you know, like I was looking up, I guess, like at this time, I mean, I already knew bands like Final War, Screwdriver and all this. I was already listening to this. I already had, you know, before I, before I even went into prison for, for that altercation with the MS guy, I already had like Victor of Valhalla tattooed across my back. When I, when I was in jail, I got 88 tattooed on each shoulder. You know what I mean? So I was already, you could say very uh, aware of it, obviously, but really, but it was, it was. There was, obviously, there was no community. It was just by myself. I was just listening to the music and into that stuff myself. And it, I I don't remember exactly what I was looking up or something. And that's when I, I stumbled across um, a White Rex video. And, man, did that have the most, like, dramatic impact in my life. Like, just, like, it was, like, day and night shit, you know, because – you know, in New York City, man, there is no skinhead thing. You can't walk around with, like, steel toe boots and a shaved head. Like, that's just not, like, you would look so out of place. It would, it would like, it's ridiculous. And I was, like, a very social guy in my neighborhood. I was very well-known. I, I went out. I had a big group of friends. I had a girlfriend, you know. So I got to, you know, you got to be a normal guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. can't be, like, 100 fucking percent. 
And when I came across the White Rex video, I was like, you know, here, these are our guys. But you look at them, first off, gorgeous girls in the videos. They're all training. Fucking everyone looks like normal. You know what I mean? Like they got tattoos, but they're like cool looking. You know, it's not just like the just like a basic like swastika vineyard style on the chest, you know, like. Yeah. And and they, they had just like this this real street appeal to it. And I was, and you know, as somebody that was from like Queens and, and like in the street, I was like, man, this, this would look cool. Like, you know, this is something like if, if you showed like a, um, a young guy in Queens or in any city, they would look at that and they'd be like, man, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Even like, you know, like I, we, we use the term wig nasty in, in these chats and such, but if you showed like some young wigger, like, even if he was like the most like, you know, into the hip hop and you showed him like one of these videos of the training and like the dudes all big ass with the tattoos and the chicks and all this it it's already just like it was it was no something that that could just get people into it you know what i mean 100 fucking percent like uh everybody who listens to my show knows i i've talked about it at nausea i used to be a huge fucking wigger and that is why that kind of uh uh aesthetics appeal to me right because it's rough you know what i mean like you just said earlier uh something about uh you know Going around, you said when you were younger, you were going around uh, getting into the kind of mischief young young men like to look for, right? And yeah, having yeah. and having an aesthetic the way that you do now and that White Rex does. By the way, shout huge shout out to White Rex and God bless him uh, and, and and all that stuff. Uh, does great work. God bless the guy. Um, Definitely. But uh, that aesthetic applies to young, rough, working class men. It does, man. That's why they get into wigger shit because they're into that rough and tumble, violent, rowdy uh, lifestyle, right? And that's the only thing in in my in, in the popular culture right now that's providing any semblance of that is nigger culture. So a lot of young white men get into that because they're rambunctious dudes, right? They like violence, right? Let's just let's not beat around the bush. That's not a bad thing, right? That's part of men. That's why young men wrestle and box and get into MMA. Right. Because they like violence. They just find a positive outlet for it. Right. And that's what these things. That's why I love what you guys are doing with the 3.0 aesthetics. That's why I love what White Rex and them did, because it gives our young men that that appeal to violence that they have, but a positive way to to unleash it. Right. To, to channel it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, they're not giving us an, another option. And um, the aesthetics presented, you know, uh, recently, like I, uh, somebody posted a video and I, I was trolling some dudes on the telegram, you know, and, uh, somebody posted one of the de Dennis's videos and kind of, and they were saying like, you know, that's, that's like, like nigger shit or whatever. Like, and it's like, so there's some Spurgs that don't get it. Um, and, and they're, they're kind of averse to it for me. It's like John and like you, I saw the aesthetic and I gravitated towards it. Cause it's something that, that like it fits with our identity but it, it also fits with um your personality or whatever or what you've already been exposed to it it, it, it you're able to like kind of get into your conditioning and and and, and kind of round out the identity with with some of those ideas they're they're very crucial the aesthetic is absolutely important um and uh i i love the impact it's having on people people think it's going to be like negative or whatever because of like some of the imagery and stuff but what's being promoted is the solution for young white men. Yeah, hey, uh, 100%, Rob, man. That's, yeah, yeah. So I want to speak to uh, something he just said. Uh, for the people who say this shit is for niggers, 
Do you remember, this was years ago, you were giving an interview and you were talking about being at Sword and Shield and you said that you were talking to the guy about having rappers there. And you were kind of like, what the fuck's going on with that? And he told him, like, hey, whether we like it or not, that's what the kids are listening to. And we got to speak to them on their level. We got to reach them where they're at. Do you remember that interview? Yeah, yeah, of course. It was actually, that was actually um, uh, Casa Pound. It was on the same trip, though. We, we did oh, Sword okay. and Shield Festival okay. actually at Casa Pound. But yeah, that was exactly what was said, you know. They were having a concert. And and the thing that's you know like the, what caught my attention. I mean, there was like all these young. I mean, it was like good looking chicks. There was a bunch of young people, you know, showing up to at at their their like headquarters. And I was outside with the guy who was watching the door, and I was like, oh, what, you know, where, where's everyone coming from? He's like, oh, it's a rap concert. And I kind of like you know looked at him. I was like, really, like a rap concert? And he's like, man, that's you know people listen to rap today. He's like, you know, they could go somewhere else and and get you know uh hear about you know i i don't know like pop and xanax and 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 shit like this or or they could come here and they could you know hear our message and you know and be with our people yeah and be with our people man and and we live in the in like you know the modern times and such man like you always have to keep that wheel turning forward man you can never turn the, the the wheels of history backwards man as much as you want to you're just wasting energy so the best thing is always to to overcome and adapt, man. That's that's how you have to be, man. You have to be able to to attack on all fronts, man. And the the, the culture is, is is extremely important. No political movement really can sustain without a youth culture behind it. I mean, unless it is some rhino thing like you know the GLP, which is just sucking money from like senile old people that are watching Fox News all day long. And and that's like a short lived thing, right? Because already, like the younger base, even with the like the more cocky people, already still going further right. You know what I mean? So, for for a real party, it needs a youth based culture, and that was that was something I, I really really focused on. Because when I first got into the politics at this time, um, I mean, I'll fast forward a little bit. But when when I came to California and I had this idea to start Ram, I met with some other groups, and this is at the time when like Richard Spencer was like shit and. Everyone liked that fucking homo, and I, I hate that guy with the with the passion. But I'm just gonna. Uh, you know, everyone wanted to be like him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and um, I, I felt I noticed a lot. Like I met I met up with a bunch of people, and I'm not saying that, that there was a lot of good guys at that time. I'm I'm just talking shit about Spencer. But there was also a lot of good guys that had a lot of good points with the suit and tie stuff. And I'm not knocking the whole thing because it definitely had an effect, and, and definitely did do some good stuff. Right? There's multiple ways to go at something. But I do remember that a lot of times when I'd meet up with with other guys at these things, I felt that their their whole objective was to, to I mean, to be brutally honest, I felt most guys were trying to like win over their parents' favor. I, I got to be brutally honest. Like I, I remember most guys. <laughs> when they up, yeah, I mean, really, I mean, I, I can remember really meeting up a lot of times and guys like talking like, oh, I just had this argument with my my father. I was you know talking about this and it was like, well, first off, like. You know, even if you do convince your father and he stands up and he starts seek hiring, I mean, what what does that matter at all? I mean, he's got his 401k. He's got his pension. He's got his job. He ain't going to go marching out in the streets. I mean, even if he 100% agrees with us, I mean, maybe if he kicks over some shekels to us, that's great. But, I mean, besides that, why would we do we – I mean, we need to we need radical change. We need young people for radical change, somebody who's already, comfor- you know, comfortable and is always, you know, already set and is like, you know – it's not really the person that you should spend all your time uh, aiming your energy at. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, I mean, not to be, like, 
you know, brutish or an asshole, but in a lot, in large, in large part, those people don't matter, right? It, like he's, it really does. The, the the youth is what matters. The young, the younger generations, man. Uh, I really don't even really uh see much uh point in trying to convince many like uh Xers or millennials, right? A lot of these people are set in their ways. So you really are right about going after the youth, man. That's the way to go. And just to talk about, um like the suit and tie kind of intellectualized racism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I have fun uh, listening to that shit, right? Like I like listening to some of these uh, big uh, long-winded talks and shit sometimes, but that shit only attracts a certain amount of people. Just like, you know, my more gruggish style of, you know, talking shit and making fun of everything only attracts a certain kind of people. And, and there's, we need all of that, right? Um, that's my big thing, man, is like not everybody is into the real long-winded intellectual breakdowns of things, and not everybody's into the rough, rugged, uh, working-class style of things, and we have to realize that, man, and start coming together and stop sniping at each other so much, you know what I mean, uh, to try to, to bridge that gap and just move forward, you know what I mean, because there, there are a lot of different ways to speak to people, right, and we shouldn't shut down any of those avenues. No, no, of course, man. There's there's multiple ways to to go at this, and you know, so at, like at that time, man, that, that seemed like the only avenue that was going on. I mean, I can even remember like when we first started Ram. I'm like, I mean, I can remember like tons and tons of pushback. We got people used to comment like, "Oh, what, what is this? Like, oh, you guys just go to the gym? Like, what does that even mean? Like, who cares? You know." Like, what's your politics? <laughs> like, you know, it was just like nonsense. Like, just, just, or like, I mean, especially when we did the graffiti, like, I mean, the amount of comments that we, like, you know, people would reach out, like, what is this? Like, doing graffiti, like, what do you guys, you know, just people really, really didn't get it at, at the time when we but, were, were doing um, RAM. I mean, this stuff was already going on in Europe at the time. And that's where I took a lot of the inspiration from. And I mean, you could see the difference. I mean, you could look at like an organization like Casa Pound that could put 5,000 people in the street. And when you look, when they have concerts, you see it's all, all young people there and it's guys and girls there. And it's, it's a nice looking scene. Like this is what we should have in America too. And how do you do that is, I mean, I mean, there, there's numerous benefits. I don't want to go into too much of a different thing, but I mean, there's numerous benefits to, to doing graffiti and activism and stuff like no. this. But I mean, just, you know. A thousand percent, bro. That's what those guys who criticize that shit, and I'm not trying to you know, speak ill of these kind of people, but those are middle class people who aren't used to that shit. It freaks them out, right? <laughs> they're not they're they're they've been fairly sheltered from uh, you know, street culture and shit like that. And they don't realize that we do need something that speaks to the working class kids that are just like I said earlier, that are into that kind of shit, man. The more edgy, uh rough lifestyle you know what i mean we have to have something that speaks to those kids if everything we do is a bunch of like book breakdowns and ideological rants like you're you're missing a huge huge resource there in our youth because those are the most loyal dudes i'm sorry man that's just my opinion working class yeah. kids who have had a rough run at it those are the most loyal dudes and those are going to be the ones that are out there with their boots on the ground bro you know what i mean yeah. and the other thing i would say to that too is is also those are the ones that are most at risk you know when you look 100%. at those that are like overdosing, those that are, you know, getting caught up and trying to fit in with other cultures and stuff, it, it's normally, you know, guys in, in my back, like working class guys or like city kids and such. I mean, I can remember when we were in school, how many like 
white kids I met who would pretend to be like one eighth Puerto Rican to, to try and be down, you know, to they're like the, we're the ones that are most vulnerable because we're caught up in the mix of uh, like really in the, in, in the wheels of, of the system. You know what I mean? And that, that was kind of my whole idea when I was doing will to rise and, and such like this, I was thinking like, if I was a younger man, you know, like what I would have been attracted to and, and maybe saved me from doing like, you know, uh, trying out drugs or, or getting involved in like street gangs or, or going to prison and such, you know what I mean? And that was really like my, my whole market. I was catering it to like when I was thinking about it. Cause I mean, really, when you look at it, I mean, those are the, the guys that are the most, most at risk. You know, if you're chances are, if you're, you know, like, uh, more of an upper class guy and such, you know, you could still, even if you're non-political, you could kind of skate through life. You, you kind of in a more safer environment, you know, you, maybe not as exposed as much things. So you could kind of pass through, but for, for young guys going up in the cities and, and in the streets and stuff like this, you know, it's, it's really important, important for them to get some type of direction because there's so many traps that they could fall into, you know, every way you turn, there's a trap, you know, like that's how it was in my neighborhood when I was a kid, like, man, it, it was so easy to just get into to anything. You know what I mean? It, it was all right there for you to, to, to fall into, you know? Yeah. And when none of it good, yeah, can- 100%. Go ahead, Akilah. I can definitely relate. I mean, um, you know, growing up, um, if you know, if you're smart, yeah, like I grew up in a place where if you're smart, you have to hide it because you get beat up, right? So there's mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot of kids like that 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 are in like like um, tougher neighborhoods and stuff who like might want to have access to books, might want to hear a strong man that they respect say, "Hey, go read," right? Like they don't see that, so it's like it's it's strong men looking out for 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 strong men and 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 like the cultured thug you know like bringing the the young intelligent boy who who's stuck in a spot up into like somebody who can defend himself very important rounds out the kid's identity if the kid's more physical and he's he's not like has nobody encouraging to read and expand his mind then we have that for them as well so there's something for every white white boy every every white man can benefit from an aspect of 3.0 yeah 100 percent uh, and speaking and speaking of having things for every different kind, that's why I like kind of what we were talking about before we started. That's why I was talking about I really want to do. I would like to see uh, us doing like actual art festivals and music festivals and things like that. Things that are just uh, for community building, right? Uh, things that are bringing back and building our own culture, bringing culture back to our side of things, man, and giving these young kids an outlet, man. I've talked about uh, many a times about these young kids that go to these art festivals like uh, or EDM festivals, right? Uh, a lot of times, art festivals and EDM festivals are intertwined, right? It's kind of hard to tell the difference which one is which because you go to an EDM festival and they've got all these art installations and live artists and fire spinners and shit like that. And then you go to an art festival and it's got all these DJs <laughs> and stages and shit performing. So it's really hard to kind of distinguished between the two it really just depends on what the event organizer decides to fucking categorize it as but uh the kids that are going to these things are it's it's 98 if not 99 percent white and they're all going there for some sort or for some sense of collective identity because they've been robbed of their true they've been browbeaten out of their true collective identity right and none of them even really realize that's what they're going there for and if you gave them something like that a place that they could go that was like that, that was put on by our people and just gave them a positive atmosphere and let them realize 
that we're not all like these a bunch of fucking psychotic weirdos, we would really start to see a large influx of people coming our way. I, I mean, I just think that's what we need to be doing, man. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would even like, you know, when I was in New York, you know, um, you know, I was working union job. I had a, a good girlfriend, man. I used to go out like every weekend to like different clubs and and. Man, I, I've been, you know, with working class guys, like, uh, you know, going to the pub. And then I've been with, like, my girlfriend going to, like, some super nice clubs in, in New York City. And I've spoke to people on both sides. And, you know, you know how it is. You have a couple of drinks in you and you start talking politics and such. And, man, you would be surprised, man, how many people actually, um, if you could just, like, talk to them right. Not right away, just start talking about, you know. First off, like not right away talking about like, you know, the Holocaust is fake. You know, let me just start with that off. You know, like it, just talking about like just white identity or just kind of little things. You started off small, like talking about like blacks in the neighborhoods, things like this. I mean, you'd really I can't tell you how surprised you'd be how many people really share our values. I mean, I feel like most people do. I've even spoken with like pretty like, you know, liberal chicks from like Hunter College and such and like you know, pretty much agreed with me about blacks and that, like, they're fucking completely out of control and that we shouldn't be around, like, you know, like, to a degree, of course, like, you know, in, in small things on these conversations, but it, it's, you know, it it's just hasn't been a lot of times packaged. Of course, you know, the media, Hollywood, everything is completely against us, and nobody ever really gets to hear our side of things, so it's extremely hard, right? And, you know, when you're indoctrinated for years, but I'm telling you, plenty of times, man, when I've, I've been out at places and had drinks and people have their guards down, and you could really sit there and chat with somebody and, and get a bit of a debate going, you, you know, the, the, the people are there, you know, like people are, aren't, I know everyone likes to think that like people are like completely brainwashed and zogged out. And, and a lot of them are, I'm not saying that they're not, but I think if, if more guys spoke like on one-on-one -on -one and, and I don't know, maybe even use this as a form of activism, like to purposely go out and try and have conversations and work on their social skills and such, I think people would find out that there's actually a lot of potential out there. It's just not being reached properly, you know? No, you're a hundred fucking percent right, man. Everybody knows the problem. Everybody knows it. Most of them are just fucking scared to say it, right? And what what happens, you have to gain these people's trust, right? Before you start, that's why it's so important not to go in talking about a bunch of wild shit the first time you meet somebody. You have to let people know that you're a normal, regular fucking person, not a lunatic. And once they've gotten comfortable around you, like you said, and they know you're not a fucking absolute psychopath, the things that you say don't come off so crass to them, right? They're able to take them in a little bit more and think about them, even the things they don't agree with, right? But you are 100% right. Uh, I'm, I'm in like, I'm, you know, I work in the trades, man, so I say wild shit on the job site all the time. But everybody fucking likes me, so people, even the people who are kind of uncomfortable with it just kind of laugh it off and go about their, their day, you know what I mean? But that's a huge fucking part of it, man, is is making people letting allowing people to get comfortable with you before you just go off the deep end, you know? Yeah, yeah. And don't get me wrong. I've had I've you know, I had I, I got that experience. You know, I've I've done plenty of times where I have gone off the deep end just talking about ruining. You know, I can actually remember one time some chick telling me good looking chick too, and telling me she worked at uh uh MoMA, which is like the museum of modern art and i hated that place already and i was already i was very political at this time and i was like you know really just getting into things and i remember just yeah just talking some absolute nonsense to this chick you know just like going yeah going off the deep end didn't work so i had the experience you know what i mean but i've done it so many times and chopped it up with so many different people and such and, and like i said i used to go out a lot and 
you know, in New York, you try, you know, speaking with people all the time. So I was, you know, it's a skill. It's a, like, it, it's, it's, it's a yep. skill that you got to work on to, to build up and, and be able to just chop it up with anybody. You know what I mean? It's just something that, that guys have, you know, it's, it's an actual skill that you got to put practice into, you know? Yeah. You get reps, you get reps, you need reps. Like that, this might lead well into the incel question that I wanted to talk about a little bit. I wanted people to hear what you had to say about it, Rob, because I think you're going to have some good insight there. You know, like I, I did a lot of the same thing growing up in Montreal is a similar type of city to New York city. So like Irish working class neighborhood, and then you're in the club like at night and stuff in the pub, maybe before you head out, you know, that kind of thing. And, and a lot of conversations like political conversations like that and all that. So, um, you know, um, these kids, they don't have reps, you know, the kids that can't talk to girls, and can't can't find a girl um, like hating on women and this kind of thing. They can't speak to people, and a lot of it's because they don't have reps and they're just afraid. So, um, like ways to get reps is one of the main things. I, I I tell guys, you know, guys that I know in, in real life, guys in my crew are struggling. You know, like I'll even like where everybody's gonna freak out on me now, but I'll even tell guys to go on Tinder. Like I I don't need to be on there, me. But like if you need reps and it's like COVID lockdown or something, talk to people, man. Talk to women, go on Tinder. You have my permission. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even think that's a controversial thing to say. To I mean, I guess it is because some people lose it. But um, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with if, if you need to like, you know, yeah, if you're not going out of something, man, I would definitely say to jump on Tinder. And, and again, even if you if you if you want to be like a purity guy and, and like, oh, my God, like you're you know going at, you know, smashing all these chicks out or whatever you want to say like this. You could even think of it as as just a, as a good way to this practice of speaking to people. I mean, this is just good meeting with somebody who you never met before and sitting there and trying to hold a conversation and keep somebody's attention and such. I mean, this yeah, it's like what you're saying to do reps. I mean, I think that Tinder is a perfect example for it, because first off, worse that happens is she like it, the conversation goes weird and then you just act like you can go smoke a cigarette and you walk out. I mean, it's a Tinder date. It doesn't really matter. It has, it has zero impact on your life. If it goes wrong, if it goes, you know, if she is not part of it, you'll never see, you know, you could, I mean, unless you live in a small town or something like this, but, but you know, chances are you won't have to see her again. So it doesn't matter. So it's, I think Tinder is a perfect uh, place to practice. You know what I mean? Practice speaking with people and practice trying to get girls. Yeah. yeah, you'll have to go through a lot of them and don't try and be, you know, also, another thing I would say, too, is, is you know, to know, know where you're at. If you don't have that experience with um, maybe too much with, with uh, chicks and such like this, you know, don't maybe don't uh, only swipe on, on, on tens. You know what I mean? Give a couple fours a swipe. Give a couple threes a swipe, man. Get that practice in. You know what I mean? Give a couple twos a swipe. You know, get used to get used to speaking with a chick, man, because really, you know, confidence goes a long way. And if you're able to speak, it goes a long way, you know. So, like, yeah, I mean, really, I think that's the most important thing is just to get that practice and to be able to speak to chicks. Because, I mean, once you kind of figure them out, it's it's really not that it, it's a pretty simple thing from there. It's, you know, yeah. and the other thing of, is, is all about appearance as well. You know, I mean, you got to take care of yourself. You got to put, you know decent effort into to how you dress and aesthetic and you know being in shape and stuff just goes a, a, a very long way as well absolutely to influencing people i say i tell my guys get reps and then stack w's stack wins put yourself in a position to have a positive experience right and then build off of that 
Right. So what, what would you say to like these American first types, these Nick Fuentes types who are like trying to encourage like this incel them and this kind of like like separation from women? Dude, that's it's it's that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard in my life. It's, <laughs> I, I've saw some of the stuff. It's it's absolutely like I, I don't. I, yeah, I, it's 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 like completely it makes no sense to me. It's it's a very strange thing to me. I don't. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, my bad. I, was, I don't believe in the idea of an incel. This is my theory on incels. I think people who say they're incels are people who are just scared of conflict in general. I think these are the same people who will run away from a fight. The same people who uh, have no ability to even... Uh, no decision-making skills, right? These are just soft people, I think. I don't believe in the idea of an incel that you're just involuntary uh, celibate. Uh, you just can't figure it out. I, I think these are people who are scared of conflict. They're they're scared of rejection. That's why it's it's a combination of fear of rejection and social media breaking down people's ability to uh, communicate interpersonally, right? But I think a big big part of this is these are the guys who are scared of conflict, right? I think these two things are very very closely tied together. Uh, fear of approaching and talking to women, I think, is very closely tied to fear of conflict because it's that fear of you know a a confrontation and a rejection or a conflict and and, and an action following right mm -hmm. yeah i mean today's time like i grew up in a big city with with like i mean when we used to go out there was like 15 of us at like minimum which i mean there was 15 of us in one apartment building you know so there was you know always in a kind of social setting but you know i don't know i i didn't you know i could imagine i guess if you grew up in in like I don't know, somewhere in middle America, you know, especially some of these like suburban communities where they really don't speak with other people kind of and such like this. I mean, you know, there's a lot of parts of America that are isolated, especially in today's time with the social media. I mean, people can really, I mean, be completely isolated. So that that is something definitely I, I could understand that. But that's yeah, I mean, that's why you got to go out there and make it happen. You know what I mean? If you if you do identify as that and you're, you're not happy about that, then you have to make a change. You know what I mean? If, if, you, if you're having that problem in your life, you got to well, make that effort to make that change, man. You got, you, got to, you got to do something about it. You can't just, you know, cope and fucking say that you're, you know, waiting till marriage because that's bullshit, man. That's, that's a fucking nonsense excuse. I, like I heard some uh, America First guys that said something like this and they were like, you know, shitting on girls on, on TikTok. Like they were like, you know, Instead, you know, this is the craziest thing. These guys were contacting uh, chicks's like social media and stuff. And instead of trying to like talk to them and maybe get like their phone number or something like this, because they were all like pretty good looking girls that they were speaking to. Instead of doing that, they would just like uh, harass them and, and like send like silly memes and try and like, you know, like a fifth grader would like, you know, like pull a girl's, pull, you know, a girl's hair for attention. It's, it's so yeah. obvious. And it's. The sad thing is, is like, you know, the guy's like in his, his 20s or whatever, and he's, he's doing that. You know, it's like, why not just talk to the girl? You know, why? If you're going to make the effort and go into her DMs, why not just say, say, what's up? You know what I mean? Don't tell uh, you. It's, it's, the fear oh. of, it's the fear of rejection, that fear of confrontation. They would rather fuck it up and go and attack the bitch as opposed to try to approach him in a, in a polite manner and get rejected. I'm telling you, man, it has to be it. That's, that's the only thing that makes any sense. Either that or they're just gay. Because, you know, gay men hate women. They fucking hate women. Because they want to be women, right? Right, right. 
But that's, you know, that's never, also, uh, uh, I was just gonna say, that's also, you know, man, where training comes in, you know, I, I can't, I, I said this on, on another show. I mean, what training can do for you is pretty much, I, I honestly believe that if you do a combat sport, especially a striking sport, such as boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, something like this, and you put that time in and you get decent enough and you're, you're semi-proficient and you could spar and, and like really spar, you know, go like heavy rounds and such. I believe that will probably cure almost all of whatever social problems you have, because there is such a confidence that comes from that. And there, there is, there's a, I would even go as far as to say there's an aura around you when you are somebody that trains and all this, people can see this in you. You know what yep. I mean? That there's just a, you have a swagger to you when, when you're somebody that trains, you, you stand out, you know what I mean? You could, you 100%. could tell, like, you know, I spent a lot of time in East, obviously I live in Eastern Europe, you know what I mean? And I mean, not to, to, to say poor things about my countrymen in America, but like, you know, when you're around like a bunch of white guys in America, a lot of times, you know, like some, yeah, you can see brawlers and such, but when you're in Eastern Europe, you could see, like, when you're walking around, you can see that, like, guys train. You know what I mean? Like, you, you yeah. can feel the presence. You know, you could see them. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. I guess it's like a, a sense type thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah I, know, I know what you're talking about. My brothers uh, kickboxed and shit growing up, and I had a bunch of guys that uh, did a bunch of local MMA and shit when I was in my 20s and shit. I never did MMA. I boxed uh, for a while. Uh, I never boxed in the ring or anything. I went to a boxing gym for a while, I should say. Uh, but I never competed in anything. Yeah, but even still, you know, I mean, even learning that, going to a gym, I mean, look, I'm not saying to, to, to you know, a guy really needs to even um, take it that far to do, like, competitions and stuff. If you do, that, that's fantastic. But I would say just even, like, you know, I mean, weightlifting pretty, you know, gives a lot of that as well. But I do believe that, like, the ultimate cure for for for, for everything that ails you, I, I it sounds funny, but I, I really do believe like the ultimate cure can, can like can be from like training, you know, sparring. and doing that. I mean, yeah, sparring, help. man, it does. There's something that happens. Uh, there's a very similar thing to like a runner's high after you spar, right? You have like a huge endorphin rush, and it does teach you a lot about yourself when you learn how to stay calm in the pocket after just getting hit in the fucking face. Because if you've never yep. been hit in the face, that is a very, very jarring experience until you force yourself to get used to it. You know what I mean? It's like uh, it's like drinking liquor. Nobody likes that shit for the, the first time. You got you to gotta do it a couple <laughs> times to get used to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. think in the... Yeah, go ahead, man. No, well, the fear makes you vulnerable, and uh, you're, or you're vulnerable... And so you're afraid. And so I think the, the same thing goes with uh, the, for these, these incels when they're talking to women. You know, you get punched in the face. You're not ready for it. It hurts. Uh, if you never got, like, rejected before, you're going to feel bad, right? So you're afraid of the bad feeling. You get scared. You don't, you don't bother trying. You know, you duck the fight or whatever it is. So there's a Rockwell quote, right? If you can't, if you can't, uh, you can't fuck, you can't fight. Or if you can't fight, you can't fuck or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, hey, man, rejection and getting beat up. I mean, these are just part of the experience, man. I can remember leaning yeah, into it. When I, yeah, when, when I first got out of of prison, man, you know, I did the, the two years and such, and I was, um, you know, it was it it was a little weird when you first get out into society again. You know what I mean? It was it was, mm. it was, it was 
little strange, you know. It's 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 like I remember well, like the first time I went out to hang out with my friends. You know, I, I met them at the at like my buddy on the bar, and I went there, and like all of them were like you know cracking beers and grabbing me, and they kept putting their hands on my shoulders. And I remember like yeah, I was like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut out of here, and I left like super early. Bro, you know, I was. I know? remember the first time I went to fucking Walmart. After I got out, I had a very similar experience. I was like, it felt like a fever dream in there. I was sketched the fuck out in Walmart <laughs> the first time uh, I went in after I got out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a weird thing. And I can remember when I got out and uh, I was at, it was like another night or something. I was at some place and uh, we were speaking with some chicks and like, I don't know, right away I'm like talking about like prison stuff and i'm like using prison slang and it was just it was it was it, like yo and and here this chick like kind of like they can't these chicks kind of came up to us like we were at one table they came you know and uh just was like totally you know talking about nonsense and and just out of it you know what i mean i was still like just getting back into to things and you know you took that rege- rejection you know what i mean but like man you know you keep going out on the weekends you keep going out you keep speaking after a while bro it's not even a problem man i like i, I like you know, you're on the train. If I seen like a good, decent looking chick, you know, I could walk up and go and approach and, hey, you know, I noticed you from over there. Would you want to grab a cup of coffee? Blah, 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 blah. You know? Yep. But Yeah, no. And that's, I think that's another thing for me. Like, uh, it's hard for me because I've always been uh, a social dude, right? I, I've just always had a lot of friends. I've always been super social. I talk to motherfuckers in the, in the grocery store and in the gas station, right? I just talk to people. That's Men and women, right? Whoever's around me, I'll joke around and fuck with them. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's always real hard for me to understand people who have that that reservation about social interaction. Like I've also talked about before, I don't um, I don't understand uh, depression, right? I don't understand like obviously I understand getting in a bad mood and being bummed out, but I mean like these long bouts of crippling depression. I don't understand that shit because. It's it's something that's never happened to me. You know what I mean? I've always just, you know, of course, a motherfuckers had bad days. Everybody has had bad days, but I've never had this uh, weird form of depression that everybody thinks they have now. That's a big problem uh, with our people in general. Uh, I don't know about uh, blacks or Mexicans or anything like that, but I know our people, white people in America, are fucked up on depression medication and SSRI pills, and they're being destroyed. Yeah, but there's that, that shit is all being sent set up. You know, like I, I just recently I saw back in the day, man. Like actually, Tumblr back in the day. I don't, like this is like before there was even a scene in America. This it's like a weird obscure app, but Tumblr used to have this like really big European national scene on there. Really cool aesthetic stuff. That's how like I really got deep into like the, the you know the the Slavic like nationalism because they had all these like things on there. And I was a little curious. So I, I went, I downloaded the app. I was like, I wonder if any of those pages still exist. And I was on there scrolling through it, man. And there's like, you know, this whole little peep and, and this whole, like, I, I don't know, this emo rap. And it's all like quotes with like chicks with razors. And, and it, it's, it was like such a weird, you know, you're going through it. And it's like everywhere, everywhere on the thing. Like the, the whole app is just full of like weird suicide shit and it's promoted. Like that's not even like what I was, mm-hmm. you know, looking for. Like I was typing in like, you know, like uh, ultras or hooligans and, you know, like it would be like suggesting me to follow pages. And it was just like this really dark, dark suicidal weird shit, you know? And I, I even see it like, 
you know, I, I grew up listening to rap, right, in Queens, you know, obviously, like, I mean, I started with, like, metal, it was kind of like a mix, metal and, and rap, you know, like, this type of thing, but at least when we listened to rap, when, in, like, when we were younger in Queens, it, it, it was, it's funny, it's, it's so different, because when we were kids listening to rap, it was all about, like, you know, defend your neighborhood, you know, me and my boys, me and my crew, you know, look out for one another, you know, if somebody disrespects you, you hit them. You know, so it was like this. There was actually some messages you can take away um, from that, like, er, you know, that that earlier style of rap. You know what I mean? It makes me think of Madball. Well, yeah, yeah. I listen to Madball, Throwdown, uh, a bunch of those bands and such. I think, uh, oh, you know. I think because, like I said earlier about that, like that weird uh, Oklahoma, California connection. Uh, I never really listened to a lot of East Coast rap growing up. I listened to all West Coast shit, like, uh, you know, Looney Coley. I don't know if you guys even know. Looney Coley on, uh, X-Rated, Sibo, uh, Killate, people like that. All, they're all gangster rappers, right? They rapped about gangbanging and selling drugs. Like, that was the shit that I grew up listening to, and it was bad. I go back and listen to some of it now, and I was like, I'm like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> I can't believe I listened to this shit, man. It's it's really, really bad. All New York stuff. All there's New York song, stuff for people on the East Coast. There's a song uh, called Deadly Game by this West Coast rapper, Sibo, where he's talking about shooting cops in the face when they pull you over and shooting judges in the courtroom before they sentence you and all kinds of wild shit. And this is in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, look, the, the rap that we were listening to was obviously, was, I'm not saying it was positive in any way or anything, but there was still some of this message about, like, especially, like, you know, if you were listening to, like, Nas and stuff about, like, you know, hold down the fort, hold down your neighborhood. So there was still some sort of message as if today you look at the stuff, like, these rappers today, man, they're literally like, you're like, you know, talk about, like, fucking kill yourself, you know, pop pills until you fucking overdose. It's, yeah, it's got this real depressing sound to it. And another thing, too, if you notice with, with rap over time, you know, when, like, um, when, when I was a kid, it was all, like, when I was growing up, it was all about, like, being part of a crew. Like, that, that was what everybody, like, when we were kids, like, every single street, every single apartment building had its own crew. Like, when you're sitting at your desk in class, I just remember, like, just sitting all day long and, like, scratching my crew name, you know, into the, to the table, you go to the bathroom, you bust out a Sharpie marker, you're tagging in there, you know, it's all about nice. that. And then our culture, and it's not just like with, with, with rap and stuff, but the whole culture changed into this extremely individualistic stuff. Like there was like, you know, I can remember like what were those like songs on the radio, like, um, no new friends, you know, or yeah. like me and my money, me and my bitches, you know, and it was just, this type of stuff is just constantly, money on constantly. My mind. Yeah. Yeah, me and minds, me and minds, me and minds, and fuck everybody else, fuck everybody, you know, like this, and and this stuff has like a really big influence, and, and it's like you can't even really get away from it because if you go into shit, they play this music at freaking Walmart, you know what I mean? Like you could go into like uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and they're playing this music for you, so so you're bound to hear it, you know, and and it promotes like this very individualistic, and now first they isolate you, and now they put out all this like emo rap for everybody so they got you nice and isolated forget like being a crew you know it's just you and your money so now you're isolated and now and, they put out like all this like depressing emo rap and, to, like, and go homosexual yourself. highly homosexual oh, rap yeah. Highly homosexual yeah 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 i think it's yeah nihilism. i think all this is complete yeah. strategy you know 100%. yeah nihilism our people are sick with nihilism and and they rob them of their identity 
and they make them sick with nihilism, take away their hope, right? So 3.0 is about reinstilling that, is completing the loop on the person's identity and then providing them with outlets and ways to develop themselves, right? It's a really beautiful thing. It counters it really perfectly and it, and it has all the same elements, everything that's attractive about it. And in reality, if you're going to build something for yourself and if you want to be selfish, it's silly to be individualistic, right? We can't afford it. No, Uh yeah, yeah. 100%. Oh, Rob, how much time you got? You still got some time? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, I got some time, bro. All right, well, we're going to go to break real quick. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about white social support networks, forward-facing activism, and uh, 3.0 going forward, man. But I have to use the restroom, guys. I tried to hold off as long as I could, man. I slammed a bang before we started, and that shit ran right through me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to go to break real quick, guys. Uh, Be about five minutes or so, and then we'll be right back. Real quick, before I go to break, I want to do this. Got to read these off from uh, Gordon. Thank you very much. from Americana, he says, Take my money, Fastcroft, you handsome devil. Thank you very much, brother. Uh, and Pagan Bear, thank you much. Uh, thank you. He says, Great show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we're going to go to break. And on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about what I said we're going to talk about. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the next uh, little uh, hour or whatever, uh, I'll end it a little bit early and let you guys ask Rob uh, any questions you might have for him in the chat there. We're going to go to break, guys. We'll be back in just a minute. Thank you all for being here. Now is the time for me to rise to my feet. Wipe your spit from my face. Wipe these tears from my eyes. Now is the time for me to rise to my feet. Wipe your spit from my face. Wipe these tears from my eyes. I've got to take my life back. One chip to make it right I've gotta have my voice be heard Every meaning to this life Cause I'm trusted for nothing I've been led astray I've been trained tested But I won't accept defeat Now I've got things to regret And it's time to reverse the wrong Now I just wanna make good on All the promises I Right. I'm gonna have my blood be heard And bring meaning to this 
All right, and we are back. Thank you all very much for hanging out through the break. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, fellas, do I got y'all back? Akila, Rob, y'all there? I am here, brother. Yep, yep, I'm here. Man. Awesome. Got y'all on the on the levels here, too. The levels are working good, man. Yeah. Right on, man. So, dude, I thought that was a great first half, man. Great, uh, great little conversation, man. But I did want to talk to you, uh, Rob, about um, what we're going to call forward-facing nationalism. I actually had a talk with some really good friends of mine. They like to call it meat grinder nationalism. <laughs> uh, I love those guys to death, man. Really good buddies of mine. We had uh, Dino, Pat, and uh, Southern Nordic. We had a conversation on my show a while back about these kind of different groups. Uh, you know, NS131, Patriot Front, uh, you know, NJP, all of these uh, groups, nationalist groups that have a somewhat of a public face. And uh, I was arguing in support of them because the argument was based around what happened with, with the Patriot Front docs, and that's neither here nor there. What uh, my argument was is, is things like that are bound to happen, right? Infiltration is bound to happen um, when the Jews are coming down on you full force, right? Uh, we just have to learn how to try to work through those things when they happen, keep it from happening again, and work towards making ourselves more anti-fragile and building the necessary networks to support one another when those things do happen. Uh, I fully support these kind of groups, man. I think it's necessary. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier right i kind of have a similar opinion on this as i do uh the you know intellectual versus grug uh debate or whatever the fuck you want to call it you know what i mean i think there's there is room and necessity for both you know what i mean yeah i i would agree with that 100 it, it's got to be both you know what i mean i i am on the the front end of nationalism you know like the street activist style this is this is what I heavily lean into, but I couldn't be doing what I'm doing without guys on the back end that are shit, man. You think I like, I know how to build like websites and all this stuff. No, this is all done on the back end <laughs> from other guys that have skill and we got to work together, you know, on it. That's it. Um, but to say like there, there shouldn't be a front end. That's ridiculous because without a front end, then how will anybody even become aware of us? You can't just, we can't just rely on Pepe to, to bring all new people in. You know what I mean? So we're going to have to use um, front end to bring people in. And, you know, not every person, you know, like I, I said before with Will to Rise especially, you know, a lot of guys that get into this are actually being I, – I could actually talk about this personally with Rise Above Movement, man. You know, I, I, I won't say his name, but I, I had a buddy. He was in the program, you know, and um, he would bring guys from the program. So he, he owned the company. And, um, he would bring guys, he, he would hire like other guys, like, you know, younger guys that were just coming into the program. He would hire them so he could keep an eye on them kind of all day. So they're not, you know, relapsing or anything like this. Right. He was playing like TRS all day long while they were working, playing screwdriver, platoon 14, you know, all this stuff all day while they were working. These guys were forced to listen to it. Right. They didn't even have a choice because he was the boss. <laughs> And uh, he would sometimes like, you know, make a, you know, they'd come to practice and all that and, and such. And after a while, there was a couple guys. There was one dude in particular who um, was really at risk. You know, he, he 
didn't see anything for himself. He was just like, you know, partying is the only lifestyle there is, you know, like, like why, why, you know, he didn't care about anything else. Anyway, he came to numerous practices and that dude ended up becoming such a solid guy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I really can't say enough, like really solid dude. Like, you know, he was there first one, like painting banners, training. He actually went on his own, which a lot of guys didn't do. He went on his own and went and signed up uh, for an MMA gym. And last I heard, he was doing good. You know, he's, he was with his girl. Everything was good. Then, you know, no trouble. So if it wasn't for this front end nationalism, that kid probably would have overdosed. As other members, as it was, you know, rest, rest, you know, God rest his soul. There was another member who, um, uh, another kid, because like, again, you know, Ram was for, for a very working class. Or just about, it was actually, it's funny. Ram was, was such a mix. We had the most like real working class guys like me and guys even more like, you know, street, you can say, in the you know, struggle. And, yeah. Yeah. In, in the real struggle. Cause at this time I was already clean and polished, you know, because I, I did my time. When I did my time in prison, I quit smoking cigarettes, stopped drugs, anything like this, uh, got heavy into working out, reading, and I just never went back to it. You know what I mean? And it just oh, changed. Some guys need prison to be honest. I mean, I gotta be no. honest, you know, it's not I always a bad thing. I've said that 100%. I've said prisons are 100% necessary because two things are going to happen. Either you're going to go there and realize this is fucked up and I don't ever want to come back and you're going to fix yourself or you're going to keep going back. And in that case, you need to be there anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. The prisons yeah. are fucking necessary, dude. I was lucky. I had a good family and uh, I dodged some charges that would have put me away and that got me sober so I, I was lucky that way in my early 20s um but not everybody can say that you know some people like you rob had have, have had single mother households and that kind of thing so some people don't have people pulling for them man yeah oh dude to have people in your corner i mean is is goes uh, such such a long way and that's a good friend in all this stuff you know like all the kids i grew up with like in new york were the most negative type of guys, you know what I mean? Like we'd sit there all day long, you know, uh, I mean, like we, we used to brawl together. Like if somebody touched one of us, it was, it was like war, you know what I mean? Like war to the point, like when I went to prison, you know, I, I man, it was over my boy's little brother, you know, somebody, you know, one of these MS dudes went up, slapped him around a little bit. I came there with the blade and had to take care of business, you know? And that's how we were. But at the same time, it was extremely toxic. It was, it was like, you know, um, when I was doing boxing in New York and even when I got out of prison, I was, I was like, you know, uh, training and all this, I couldn't remember them like always trying to like, like, well, Oh, why are you even bought? Like, why are you doing that? Well, you got the boys with you. Why are you going to this? What are you scared? You think you're going to get beat up? Like you need to learn how to fight again or something like really used to, to, to actually like try and bring me down from training and such like this. And when I came out to California and I met the guys from Ram, um, it had, it, it changed me around, you know, my, my, my good friend Ben at the time, you know, it's funny in New York, I did a, a couple like competitions, but not many because all the coaches didn't give a shit about me. They were all like five percenters. I don't know. You guys know what five percenters are like these uh, nation of Islam types. Oh, no, I don't. You don't. Oh, yeah, uh -oh. you got yeah, you got to look them up there. I'm sure you could do a whole show on them because they dress up like fucking genies and they shout death to white people. It's a, it's a real they're like wizard black people that that you know want to kill whites. Are they are they uh, black Hebrew Israelites? Or yeah, different? nation Islam black Hebrew oh, okay. Israelites. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, what that is. yeah, I'm kind of mixing them up, but yeah, they they all kind of run in the same. But anyway, all the coaches in New York 
at these gyms. First of all, all the gyms are just mostly black. You know what I mean? So it's already a hostile environment when you walk into it. The coaches were these old school black guys that sit there with, you know, again, the pictures of Malcolm X everywhere. Everyone has the fucking Africa chain on them. I mean, let me tell you, Rose, like, you know, it, if it wasn't for those white Rex videos and seeing that shit, I, I, I probably wouldn't have stuck with it. But I was, I, I came across those videos and, and like the whole East at this time, like there was such a big scene in, in like Russia and Eastern Europe and that I was just like super attracted to like this, that the hooligan scene, the nationalists, like the training, the, the straight edge and all this. I thought it was just like super cool, you know, like the, the whole it aesthetic is. of it. It is. Yeah. It's attractive it as is. fuck, dude. You were right. <laughs> and that was the only thing that, that, kept me going to these gyms because they were super hostile. Anyway, the point of the story was that when I was at these gyms, I didn't have friends to, to like, you know, like, oh, man, that's cool, bro. You're doing a competition. Hey, make sure you get to practice. It was the opposite. I had guys always – I had guys, like, literally trying to, like, spike my drink before I was going to practice so I would sit and have beers with them. You know what I mean? It was, like, the, wow. the exact opposite. When I, when I got to gyms, you know, like, I remember they used to use me like a fucking um, – Send me to the wolves. They, they, like when I first started, I used to go to this place, Elmcore Boxing Gym in uh, Elmhurst, Queens, and it was a free boxing gym for like troubled youth, you know. And um, I was able to get in there. And I mean, yeah, they didn't teach me how to. They didn't even teach me how to like you know do hand wraps properly. They would just. I, they tell me to go hit the bag in the corner. They would never not even tell me when to like stop hitting the bag, how to hit the bag. And then occasionally they would go like, "Hey, you want to get? You want to do some sparring?" And they would throw me in the ring, and then just somebody would just wail on me, and that was it. I actually learned a lot of my own boxing was was from YouTube videos, and then I would just try and practice it every time I got into the gym. Swear to God, yeah. and I, I didn't really have a strong thing like this. But over time, you know, I was really dedicated. I mean, I kept it going, and, and then I ended up doing it for years. And eventually, you know, you earn your respect. So it's a you know where people that you know respect is you know you got to give respect when it's due, right? Um. But when I came to California and I came with the guys from Ram on the and and you know front end group and such like this, you know it was it was my buddy Ben who was the one who convinced me to do the Sword and Shield Festival because imagine this man, I come out of prison I, I come across this White Rex videos and stuff I see this guy Dennis Dakey and, and I was just like, man this is the most badass shit I've ever seen in my life this is the coolest thing I've ever seen you know. And I can't even remember once my, the girl I was seeing at the time, she's like, oh, would you, you know, go, why don't you go, like, reach out to them, try and compete with them? And I was like, hey, come on, these guys are like, you know, come on, I can't, come on, these guys are like serious, you know, who am I? I can't mess around with these guys, you know, like, are you out of your mind, you know? Yeah. And when we were at, we were, we were at practice one day in, uh, in Cali, we were at practice after it was a RAM practice or whatever, and I, we were talking about Confidé Nouvelle again. And Confident Nubigan at this time was was partnered up with White Rex. They, they were working together. All their events were hosted together, you know. And um, one of the guys is like, hey, I, I know the guys from Confident Nubigan. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I, I, he was a older older cat that was there, you know, and he knew like some bikers, skins, you know. He's like, yeah, yeah. I know the guys who run Confident Nubigan. He's like, bro, I could, I could hit him up right now and ask if you want to fight. And I like right away, I was like, you know, used to just i was like nah nah come on don't don't worry about it and i was like you know brushing him off and while i'm there he just got on his phone he texted him right there and he's like yeah he said you you could fight no problem and i was like nah nah come on come on like let's let's not you know i'm not gonna do that don't get crazy and, here yeah. Well, yeah yeah let's not get crazy like i'm not gonna go out there and <laughs> myself, you know and my buddy ben was just like he looked at me he's just like no no like you're you're 
gonna do this, bro. He's like, yeah, yeah. Not only are you gonna do like this is for the crew, bro. This is our big chance. This is this is rare. Like you know, you could you got these skills. You're a good boxer. Why wouldn't you do this? Like what you know what, what it's, what's the worst that'll happen? The worst that happens is you lose. What does it matter? It's still cool as fuck. Yeah. You know, you still go out, you still fight, you still showing hard. It doesn't matter if win or lose. And it was because I had I had him in my corner. I went and did that event. And actually, I ended up winning that event, and I did fantastic at that event. Not only did I win it, I did a fantastic job at that event. Okay. And uh, just to tell a little bit more on it, I don't want to go like too much, too far off, you know what I mean, and take up everybody's time. But No, you do your you thing, know, bro. When we showed up for that event, so I, I showed up with, with um, it was with four other guys when we showed up to Germany for Confidate Noob again. And um, my boy Big Rob, he, he went to fight before me. He fought in K1, which is like, you know, kickboxing. I know what K1 is. Hell yeah, I know what K1 yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I was just for more listeners, you know. But anyway, he went out. He lost his fight, but he was like, uh, he fought like a lion, but he was like out of it after the fight. Like he went out in the, it, they had such a cool setup at Confident New Begin. Really, one day this needs to happen in America. And we could talk about that after. But um, so he was out. He was outside. Like he needed to go lay out, lay down for a little bit. And my two boys were kind of like with him because he was like throwing up because he was like, you know, exerted himself a lot. He didn't really. Uh, I don't think he put the, the training in, you know, for it. it. You know, it was a heavy fight. You know what I mean? Anyway, yeah. so he was out there chilling. My buddy Ben's with me to, to be my ring guy, but he he's not a boxer. He's never – he has no idea about anything, but he's my corner man. He doesn't know how to pass <laughs> a cut. He doesn't know anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, I hear the music. So, like, they let you choose your song at Confident Nubigan, your walkout song, you know? And I hear my song and they call me out and they're like, you know, coming straight out of California. And I was like, oh, shit, man. Like, here it goes, bro. Like, here we go, you know? So uh, I'm like walking in. And just as I walk in, I see Dennis from White Rex. And he walks over and he's like, you're the American. He's like, you're the one I was speaking to. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, man. Like, what, what you know, what an honor to meet you. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, do you have a ring, man? I was like, I look at like Ben. I'm like, kind of. He's like, I got you. Puts his arm around me, takes me into the ring. He's like, I got you. Just listen to me, you know. And I oh, listened no to his shit. advice. Oh no shit! He did your ring. He cornered you. Yeah, man. Fuck it's the first yeah. time I met him. First time That's I met true. him. He cornered. Yeah, he corners me. So he's like, first round. He's like, listen, man, because uh, the guy I was so, I will say this: it wasn't so professionally set up at Confident Newbegin. So the German guy I went against was like this. He was short, but he was stocky, like fucking big muscle. And I came in at that fight at 165 pounds, and I'm six foot. So I was skinny as fuck, you can imagine. You know what I mean? But I had this real speed to me, you know, like a viper. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so homeboy was a big boy. And there, there's no way in hell that boy was anywhere close to 165. I would put him at a solid, solid 180. I, I, oh, maybe, all right, maybe like <laughs> 175. He was definitely way fucking heavier than I was. Though. I mean, he was, he was a big, like, stocky German kid. You know what I mean? Like, he had no neck, you know, big kid, you know? Yeah. And... Dennis is like, all right, first round, he's like, you know, just just pat him out, just get him tired. And then I got him tired. Second round, Dennis is like, listen, half the round, I want you to keep getting him tired. He's like, halfway through the round, I want you just to fucking let in on him. And uh, I'm just like listening to him. I, he's the only voice I could hear. Halfway in the round, he's like, get him, get him, get him. And I just, boom, ended up dropping him in the second round, dropped him in the third round. And I was the first American to win an event uh pan Europe, you know at a pan european event for us and as far as i know i'm the only one so far but i hope that changes one day i hope some more americans go out there and uh take part fuck yeah dude that is amazing dude cool. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was quite 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 the cool thing. And actually, from there, I mean, should I go on with the 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 Euro trip, or should we should we switch to something no, else? Carry on, bro. No, you're fine. Yeah. So so after that, Dennis um, was impressed, and you know he he was surprised to see Americans because he thought like like us, you know, that that were dressed like you know guys are wearing like Adidas sneakers, you know we had the, you know, the, the cuts, you know, like the fashion haircuts, but we were wearing like, you know, regular t-shirts and, and stuff like this. And he was very surprised to see us because he thought that all Americans were like Richard Spencer and shit like this. You know, he thought that they had yeah. a very, all, actually all the, the, the Europeans, I'll be honest, had a very, very poor perception of Americans. They thought that all of us were either like um, swastika tattooed on your forehead skinheads or Richard Spencer. You know what I mean? They thought that was all there was. And when yeah. they saw us, like most people actually didn't even think we were American. Like many times people came up to us and like tried to speak to us in like German or Russian or something like this, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, no, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, that is uh that is the perception really of I mean, not even just in white nationalist circles, but like America on the world stage uh has a very very shitty perception like um i've said before that america on the world stage is a big butch tranny with tits and a dick um but uh <laughs> but um i watched a video a while back on youtube and it was some uh japanese guy and he was walking around to other japanese people and they were all speaking in you know japanese but it was subtitled and uh, uh -huh. he was walking up to these people and he was asking them, he was like, yeah, you know, can you imitate an American? Can you talk like American? And they were all like, dee, dee, dee. <laughs> you know, like talking like a retard, you know, and they were like, dee, 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 dee. <laughs> like talking, yeah. so that's, that's like what they think of if they don't think we're, you know, uh, what you were saying earlier, they think we're just fat and retarded. And I mean, in a lot of ways, they're not wrong, man. America needs to get its shit together. We're a very broken uh, country, man. We definitely are. You know what I will say though that I, I, this is the thing I used to joke around with with uh, Dennis. You know, because ex especially first when like the street activism stuff was kind of first just coming in into to effect in America, like after Ram and all this, like when it started coming to effect, Dennis would sometimes send me some videos and he'd be like, "Man, like you, you know, you guys need to work on it." But I always told him, I said, man, you know, one thing about Americans is we do everything to the fucking max. As like you guys in Europe, yeah. you guys sit, you have your little type of coffee. You know, in America, we drink a gallon of coffee. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys do your hooligan fights at school. We go, we shoot up to school. You know what I mean? Yeah. We do everything to the, to, to, to <laughs> to the, the extreme, extreme, you know? And I, I told him, I was like, you know, right now, this stuff is so new in America. Like this, this whole street style, this 3.0 is is in infancy is is like baby steps it, it doesn't yep. even exist really it's more of a thought right now you know it's it, it might seem like on telegram like there's a lot of us but it's so so small right now but i said man the seeds are planted you give that time america is going to i i think in time just by, by the way americans can be sometimes who knows I, i'm not saying for sure but who knows one day we might have a scene that rivals, you know, the European scene. And, and, and in a lot of ways right now, we already do have a lot of some stuff that's better. It's actually for the first time on my travels, because I've been to, to Europe numerous times going back and forth. And now that I live here and such, um, the first time I've ever heard people um, say like, man, I wish we had a scene like what you guys have in America. I've never heard that before. This is something that now people start to say. You know, people look at groups like Patriot Front and all the active clubs and all the other groups out there, and they see that that where 
we also put out the most content too. You know what I mean? Like when you look on Telegram, even the European channels share our stuff. You know what I mean? We're always putting out, I mean, you know, say what you want, but even memes, everything like articles. Um, I mean, well, myself with the documentaries, I mean, we are kind of, we're very disorganized and we still have a lot to do, but we do have a, put out a lot of content. We do have a, a decent uh, uh, number of people and it's getting better and better. You know what I mean? No. And like I said, and for, for the first time, I swear, I, European nationalists are like, oh man, I wish we had a scene like you guys have in America. And I'm like, that's that's new. You know what I mean? Because we always looked up to the European scene, you know? Yeah. No, that's one of the things that drives me fucking nuts about this whole deal, man. It's like, we are a fucking powerhouse. If we could just get everybody to just focus on the fucking goal, right? And move in that direction. Uh, not even necessarily together, but just in the same direction. You know what I mean? We would have a really good thing going here, man. And you're right. Uh, with your with the 3.0 thing you guys are doing with Media to Rise and the uh, rise of groups like Patriot Front and uh, these other active, uh, NSC, uh, these other active clubs that are coming up around the country and up in Canada. Uh, there's some <laughs> coming up around there. That shit is just catching fire. It is because... That, I'm just repeating myself, but that's what young men want, man. They're into that shit, dude. Young men are, are rowdy, and they need an outlet for it. It's the solution. I don't think there's any question at this point. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to um, more and more people who are online, like very on the internet people, um, stepping out, you know, and, and uh, you know, getting active again. Like, uh, it's still happening. It's still people neckbearding and in their houses and stuff. And it's not acceptable at this point. We have obligations. It's not about like your preferences anymore. If you're pro-white, you need to move. You need to get yourself moving. And um, nobody has inspired me towards that more than Rob, um, you know, with regards to the, the sacrifices that he's made, you know, and, and the example that he is, you know, so I do. I can't commend you enough. I said it off air before, but I wanted to make sure I said it on air because uh, it's very crucial. It's very, very crucial. It's going to be the thing that 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 turns it around. There's going to be a scene because of this. I think that we're right on the on the precipice uh, of something. You know, very big. Yeah, you definitely figured to figured it the fuck out, bro. One hundred percent, man. Rob, as far as um, as far as um, the front-facing activism. I know you've got like a like a, a, a very good, um, you know, CV, if you will. Uh, can maybe take us through. Like, I read recently. Um, the, like, we talked about this before as well, but I read recently an essay that you said you had posted on Instagram originally, recently reposted on Telegram, kind of taking us through some of your front-facing activism experiences, Battle of Berkeley and Huntington Beach and that kind of thing. Um, where where is that in the timeline of of the? Uh, of the story you're giving us now with regards to having gone over to Russia? Uh, no, not to Russia. Don't get me oh, hemmed sorry, up. Sorry. Europe, Europe, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, what's it called? Uh, that This is after. This, this is the, I mean, this the funny thing is all the articles and, and there's like fucking two documentaries that came out about it now and shit. And like, they all claim that we went to Europe and then did, uh, you know, learned how to train in Europe and then did these riots, but it's actually the exact opposite. We went to Berkeley and Huntington Beach and San Bernardino and Charlottesville. That happened like that happened like months prior to us going to Europe. And actually, when we went to Europe, 
we had such a change in what we were doing. And I, and you know what they say, man, when you, when you're above the target, you get your flack, you know, you get the most flack and that's what happened, man, because I mean, it's my biggest regret. And I got to say to the enemies, yeah, they, they fucking, you know, really, um, derailed things. Although I believe God makes things happen for a reason. and, And here I am today. And, and, there's still a scene. So maybe, you know what, if I would have tried to do, do what I'm doing today back then, you know what, maybe when people weren't ready for it yet, maybe it was too much and it wouldn't have caught on. Maybe actually people would have thought it was ridiculous. So maybe it was meant to happen for a reason, but those, those events took place. Um, Huntington beach was the first one we went to, which was, we weren't even a thing. I mean, that, that, that's like the funny thing is like at Huntington beach, um, we just went there with like a defend America banner. I just knew we wanted a banner that was like anti-communist and stuff. We just wanted to show up. We didn't have a name for ourselves. Really. We just wanted to go there and just like, I don't know, kind of make a stand, you know what I mean? And see if we can meet yeah. other like-minded guys, you know, <clears throat> I'm a little sick, so forgive me. But, uh, so we get there and, um, Right away as we get there, actually, the funny thing is when we got there at first, the Trump people were skeptical of us because it was all just boomers there mostly. So we showed up with this banner. It says fucking defend America. I don't know what else you need to say. You know what I mean? It had like <laughs> yeah. a hammer and stick crossed out. It had a syringe needle crossed out, like pills crossed out, the Antifa flag. But they thought we were fucking Antifa. So at first, like, they were all Jesus. like super skeptical of us because here was like 10 young, in-shape white guys, which again, and I tell people this all the time. That is such a statement. You don't need to do anything else. Like you'll, you'll be surprised. People think that you need to fucking, you know, go to places and chase shock value and, and be as loud as possible. But I'm telling you, man, when we showed up to this, we didn't have to say a single word. Yeah. I mean, yes, we had our banner, but even our banner was pretty, pretty soft messaging at the time. You know what I mean? And I mean, the whole place was like the, the whole event like, I mean, they had speakers on stage. It was probably a few thousand people. And I mean, all eyes were on us. And maybe we were like 15 people in, in maximum because we had a couple friends, like other people that showed up, you know, from other groups like um, pool party. Anyway, you know, so yeah. there was like 15 of us maybe total. And uh, I mean, all the eyes were on us. They like everyone was just like, who, what, what on earth is this? And they were like super skeptical. Anyway, event goes on. Antifa comes up. Um, we have this banner there, you know, they come up to us, this, uh, creature that's dressed. I couldn't even tell what it was. It turned out later on, it was a girl, but it had a full skate, like ski mask with goggles on, with a hoodie on, with black pants and black boots. It just, I thought it was like a skinny guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it comes up, slaps one of my boys, slaps one of our guys in the face. So they initiated the contact. They were the first ones to hit somebody. We didn't. And we didn't act right there. You know, they slapped somebody in the face. We They slapped one of our guys directly in the face. We still didn't do anything. We kicked some sand at him. And we're just like, yeah, ha ha, like, you know, get out of here. And then this uh, Antifa dude just runs up. Mace is a six-year-old woman. She goes down. Mm. I spring into action. I, I go after one dude. Get him a few times. He takes away. This other dude, he makes a few steps towards me. I come at him anyway. Right as I come at him, this dude releases a stream of mace. And, and let me remind you, because we didn't plan on anything like this, right? I, I planned to go there and look good and sharp. And I just did a nice fresh haircut before coming and a nice clean shave. So my just a fresh mm. shave. 
Oh no. And homeboy just fucking just like a just catches me as I'm like walking into a stream of it. I, I there's no there's there's a photo somewhere of it. But he had like that really thick orange. Yeah, the, know, yeah, the, I was saying yeah. Yeah, there's a there's like a good photo where I come on top of him and I'm trying to grab it out of him. And he just he completely blinds me, my face and that's my first time ever being maced, you know. So pretty pretty surreal experience, you know. And uh, somehow I managed to, to completely blind it. Like my face literally feels like it's on fire. I managed to tackle him to the ground. Um, and I try to get the, the, the mace can out of his hand. To be honest, like everyone's like, you know, the, the elbows really, as somebody especially that's done so much, been in, involved in such worse violence growing up as a kid. I mean, you could watch that video of me in Queens. You could see, you know, I was, uh, I was about that life. You know what I mean? But yeah. um at Huntington Beach, you know, I, I really actually wasn't even trying to hurt the kid. I was really out of it. Like, if you look at me, I was kind of just, like, wailing at him. But my eyes are closed. I'm not really doing anything. I was just trying to get up. And then somebody breaks us up. I barely, like, really hurt, like, even hurt that guy. You know what I mean? I hit him, like, a couple times maybe. You know, not even that serious. Yeah. Somebody picks me up. And my boy, I'm, like, just comp- – I mean, it, it – yeah, it was my first time, like I said, getting maced, a fresh shave. I remember my face was just, like, such on fire. No, that's what and I was somebody... going to say. You're a fucking maniac, dude, because I'm pretty sure they were spraying you guys with, like, bear mace or some shit like that. And I've just been regular maced by security guards at, at a bar. And that shit, if you're not used to it, it is, it is debilitating. It completely fucking smokes you. You can't, I couldn't do shit. I couldn't even fucking breathe hardly. Yeah, that's dude. It was it was so terrible. So thank God somebody like stopped it, and and it was actually one of my guys walks me over to the ocean. I literally just took my wallet and phone out of my pockets, throw them in the sand, and I jumped with my clothes into the ocean, and uh, <laughs> swam around for a little bit. Came out, and um, that was Huntington Beach. Yeah, I came out. We ended up going to like a restaurant, and then, like we were sitting there, and some kids like, dude, you're 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 famous because it was like some like you know, alt-right kind of guy there. He's like, oh, look, bro, you're, you're fucking trending or some shit. And I was like, what? And then I saw, like, the base elbow man thing. Yeah. And uh, that was a big start, man. People started, you know, that happened. People started showing up to practice. And this is also, too, you know, <clears throat> the importance of having that, um, the training background and whatever it is, it doesn't always have to be combat sports and stuff like this. Although I do think like, you know, at least sparring and, and learning the basics to one, two is, is really important, but at least even just meeting up to go for hikes and, and workout is really important because all of a sudden, you know, Southern California, people think California, like California, you'd be surprised, man. I would say in my travels and I've traveled a lot around the United States. I personally, I got to say, I think California had probably the biggest white nationalist scene maybe texas today but honestly in my opinion california has the biggest white national southern california southern well, california. yeah bro that's yeah. what man when you, big, yeah, put, when you put working class white slammed up against non-whites it's going to happen just naturally there's no way you can stop it man and that whole part of the country is being taken over by mexicans man you're going to have a shit ton of white nationalists there especially the ones yeah. that gotta live next to them yeah, yeah, and you, then you have like I mean, honestly, like bro, like Final War, Max Resist, um, Tom Metzger. I mean, so many things yeah, actually came out of uh, of uh, Southern California. It's all from from Orange County, you know. 
So there, there was like a real big scene. You had the big punk scene there. So there was already remnants. So it was easy. And anyway, people started contacting us. Like people saw it in every, like, I mean, at that time, like it felt like we were on, it really felt like, you know, we were on top of the world. Like things were going to, you know, we had a, a pretty big following and, and such. A lot of people were coming out to practices and that's something that we had. We had something to offer guys. You know, it's not like, Hey, let's meet up. We'll just get a couple beers and, you know, listen to, to final war and, and just, you know, boom, that's it. You know, that's the weekend, you know, that's it. Like see you next time. And I really had this idea with, with Ram is, is cause like I said, at the time, I, I don't think the rest of the nationalist scene was really, um, like I said, they, they were more looking towards the dispensers and, and this type of stuff, you know what I mean? Which, which again, was fine. Cause it did have some effect, you know what I mean? It did have a very brought a lot of good people in a lot of smart guys in which was good which we needed maybe we didn't have that before you know that was something we were missing pre like the 2.0 days you know or i mean the 1.0 days we we had the skinhead but we didn't have all the brains the 2.0s was all brains you know what i mean the 3.0 is the mix you know what i mean that's it right there yeah and no dude that it did serve a good purpose because really it's what uh really attracted me to you know uh, white nationalism for lack of a better term was the fact that it wasn't this um, brutish, just irrational hatred, right? That there was actually some science and logic and, and actual deep thought put into this and it wasn't just a bunch of fucking retards spouting dumb shit for no reason. Because that's the image you're given, right? The image you're given of people who are racially conscious and see the world through a racial lens is that either they're A, a violent criminal, or B, some dumb fucking redneck who just hates niggers because they breathe air. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not what it was. So that, I, I don't uh, I don't disagree. Like I, I agree that it had uh, it had a huge impact, and it is helpful, and we do need it. But uh, there's also um a, a a segment of people that shit will never appeal to. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was it was just missing something. Like I, I could I, I remember this. This was another thing that really drove me with Ram. I remember seeing this this college. Um, I don't know who it was. Oh, it was Milo Yiannopoulos, right? And he was at this college thing, and he's in this in this room, and it's all like white guys in there. It's like a, a room. It's like fucking three hundred white guys in this room. You know what I mean? He's give, he's like giving some talk. You know what I mean? It's like all these like you know preppy, uh, young Republican types, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But still, it's like yeah. it's like maybe not three hundred, but still, it's like over a hundred people in there. Two blacks walked in there. Literally just took the mic out of the guy's hand and just shut down the whole event. And nobody did a fucking thing. And one of the blacks was a female. So there's only one guy and one girl. And they walked into this a venue that they had booked, took the mic, and everyone just stay seated while this yeah. black guy got on stage and just talked shit for fucking yeah. 20 Ooh, minutes. Just yeah. Ooh, can eat. And, yeah. and not a single person even said anything. I'm not saying that they had to go and attack the guy and, and shit like this. But then at least walk out like everyone was just glued to their seat. Nobody did a single thing. Nobody like stood up and cursed them back. No, like, and I just remember seeing that, and I was like, yeah, no, there, there needs to be something more besides these these edgy, yeah. you know, takes. You know what I mean? The the good talking points is cool, but like if 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 one man could shut down a fucking uh, hundred and fifty uh, 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 um, an event of hundred and fifty, then that shit is that's that's it's, it's worth nothing. It's it's not even worth the paper it's written on. You know what I mean? Dude, so they bully people. They bully people. So you know, like Mussolini had over a hundred duels. You know, it's it's part it's, it's part of lever. They, they leverage violence. It's not 
necessarily physical violence, but the potential for violence against us. And there's no reason why we can't leverage it back against them. Yeah, or, yeah. Or at least make it so that so it's un, like something that they have to think twice about. You know what I mean? I tell you yeah. what, we already saw the effects in California. We went to Huntington Beach, Berkeley. When we were at San Bernardino, we're already there was already, you know, people already knew who we were. There was already articles and stuff coming out about Ram and the videos and all this. When we were there, there was zero confrontation. You know why? Because fucking Antifa packed up and left when we yeah, showed up. When we walked, you know. Yeah. It's like the nuclear deterrent kind of the- theory, right? Like a show of force is the best deterrent, right? If they come and they see an opposing force, they're more likely to turn the fuck around and get out of there than they are if there's no, if everybody, like you said, stays in their seat, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm off track now. I forgot where, where we were going with this. So, well, we were, we were uh, I think, just after Huntington Beach. Yeah, we were just shooting the shit. You were talking about hunting the beach, and we just trailed off. Was you were talking about um, after and and how things got got uh, better? You know, like you have more people coming through and everything. To like three point and or sorry, a two kind of leading into three Yeah, yeah, it was it was like a whole mix through and such. And anyway, things went good. We did the events in Europe, and when we came back, um, we really were reorganizing what what we wanted to do and and you know the, the difference i would say with ram from from just about every other group and such is that we did not want headlines we did not want any of attention we did not want to grow we were really i mean even from the start i was very very focused on building a strong base um i think this is something that a lot of groups and i actually i spoke to somebody I, I'll, I'll put this out another day because we did a recorded conversation and such. He's a well-known nationalist from, from Europe. I don't want to spoil too much. He's a big one. But he said that was his, big, his group's biggest mistake is that they got caught up in chasing the high of, of articles and, and getting headlines. And they thought they, they stopped focusing on building a really solid crew. And actually, they weren't even gaining members at this point from chasing headlines. And what that happened to them is that they just kept going more and more radical to get more and more headlines. So they first had a message that was working and was pretty easy for like the common, you know, common guy to, to get behind. And after that kind of ran its course, they just kept going further and further and further and further. So they were just, you know, blatantly just going out with the most radical things they could think of to get headlines. And instead it actually had the opposite effect and they were losing members from it. And then they had a weak base. And then of course, now when you're doing the most radical shit, now you have the tension on you. So you have a weak, a weak foundation, you're losing members. You have all this pressure on you. And now the law enforcement comes, boom, the whole thing crumbles. You know what I mean? With Ram, we actually really um, hated articles. We never shared them. You know, we didn't, talk about him so much, you know, now I, I, now I talk about him and stuff cause it's like years, you know, that's years before. So it's not a problem, but you know, it's something I even still, like there's still articles that are constantly coming out, you know, written about me and such. I, I rarely, rarely share them unless like there's something I find funny in it, but I, I, I don't like here. with With our, with our, I don't know if you saw that, but RAC Canada got, got an article that included you. <clears throat> I did. I did. Yeah. I saw yeah. that and such. And yeah, you know, like, these things happen and, and, and all that, but um, right now, especially at this stage, I, I think it's it's more important to build like a, a real solid foundation, real solid. Have your guys super solid. And I know like 
especially in, in like our time where we like to, to get headlines and there is a bit of a rush. You know what I mean? Like when an article comes out or something and it mentions you guys, there's always a little something like, ah, look, you know, we kind of made it. It is cool. It does show obviously a little something to it. And I do understand that. But um, all that stuff will come. The attention will come. You know, I, I spoke to a, another young um, nationalist who was on, on your show actually a while back. And I, I was saying to him when he first was starting his group, he was like, oh, we're not getting any attention, da, da, da. And I was like, you know, man, if you just put in the work, you put in the time, you start doing – you do the right things, people will take notice of it. You know what I mean? And, and that's where groups really need to focus on is focus on that foundation, man. And, and that means like think about doing things like, you know, events and, and really building up a, a good solid crew of guys, you know. Really spend more time on actually – going out and speaking with people one-on-one and try and bring people in who aren't just from online. Because if you could bring somebody in who's not from online, man, that's, that's worth gold. You know, it, it's cool if you could bring somebody from the online world who already knows our talking points into our thing. That's cool. You know what I mean? That, that's a big success. But if you could bring somebody who has zero idea of our talking points, you could bring them into our thing. That's, that's like, that's the, that's the money right there. That's really when you're making big change. You know what I mean? Having some tranny write an article about you, bro, you're just giving her a paycheck. That's all she's doing. You're, you're providing people with jobs because there's journalists that literally there's – there's a specific journalist. He lives off my fucking name. You know what I mean? I put food on his table every single day. When he sits down to eat, he thanks me. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? It, the, the focus shouldn't be on, on providing them with, with a meal. We should focus on, on really solid, solid foundations. Well, and yeah, parasites. Sorry, go John. ahead, Akila. No, go ahead, bro. No, they're just they're parasites, man. Don't feed them, right? Yeah, don't feed them with 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 being like you say, you know, good work, good solid work. It's obvious, you know, what those things are. Yeah, and my I've my big thing is is I think we should be focused focusing on building what I like to call social support networks, right? White social support networks. Uh, networks of trusted people who who have met each other, know each other's families, know these are good guys, right? Build these communities up. That way, when things do happen and maybe some guy does get doxxed and a journalist does ruin his fucking life, we're able to support that guy, right? Help him get his family by till he can find new work, right? Uh, if a natural disaster hits one of our guys, we can help, you know, relocate him for a while put him up in a hotel until that shit's resolved right that is what i think is the most important thing for us to be doing building these real life these communities in real life bringing this thing off the internet and starting to really build uh you know uh uh not to be like too grandiose or or ridiculous but like a parallel society right a parallel network that we support ourselves with yeah 100 percent dude and that's that's like I, that's yeah, a hundred percent. I um, agree with that. I think that's like the most important thing. I mean, I see in Europe, like when I've gone gone out to places, some countries. I mean, they have really good networks set up. You know, like from you know small little pubs, gyms that guys have set up. Now, of course, Europe's smaller, so they could you know kind of conjugate all together and such. But you know what? If somebody opens up some type of company, you could put out that that open invite, and more nationals can move to this community and. You know, I'm not saying like to do big, great migrations, but definitely, man, setting up like, yeah, support networks, helping guys out, setting up businesses. I mean, that's like with Will to Rise, right? Like I, I that was like 
you know, one of the ideas is it's foundation, you know, having a structure, something that somebody can just contact and know there's, there's something there. It's like, you know, with no face Nate, right? Like he saw, he saw what I was about. He saw my things that I was doing and he knew that if he caught, here's a structure, you know what I mean? I set up will to rise. This is a structure. You know what I mean? You can contact and, and I have a team of guys. There's a bunch of us out that work at it. You know, like there's something going on. He was able to contact. I was able to put in touch with people. Boom. It, it, and now, you know, look, now he's producing stuff. We're getting ready to put out an album for him. I had a guy today reach out from the UK. He's, he does music. He's, you know, maybe bring him on Dude. with, uh, Go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, and, and, and like, even with the, the whole economy of like what I do with like, you know, W2R, like you know, people are like, oh, it's just selling t-shirts. Like everyone sells that. But it's like, you know, I, I make sure I take real great pride in the fact that I made sure I went out of my way. I could easily go to Teespring or some fucking Chinese shop and do it or something like this. But I go out of my way. I make sure that it's made by, you know, uh, through another nationalist brand in Europe. I've been at the shop. I've worked in the shop. You know what I mean? It's, it's our guys that work there that do the stuff. So it, this, this is, you know, and look, look how far that network network goes, right? Now it's it's not only going just you know in America it's it, it's now it's reaching to Europe and it's it's supplying, you know, literally people living now off it. Now people can actually live and do this full time and stuff like this. You know, this is a great yeah, thing. Dude. You know, especially with media to rise. That's another outlet that we we um, did. You know, and now I have Luca and Mason and other guys. So you know you you build these stable foundations and good things will come to it. If you're doing the right thing, you'll meet good people will get attracted and you could keep on, you know, building from there. Yeah. And I was just going to say, man, huge shout out to no face Nate and you for, for working all that out, dude. Everything that dude has put out so far has been absolute fire. I've played every one of those motherfuckers that's come out. I love that shit, man. Uh, really, really good shit. I love that. It's a uh, original, you know what I mean? Original beats, original, Rhyme structure, original cadence. You know what I mean? There's no, not to, uh, I'm not shitting on parody and anything. I love all that shit too. But the, the, the original factor really, really, uh, I dug that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the original thing is, I, it, it was something that we were definitely lacking. And again, not to, to shit on parody, but I will a little bit because I, I like some of the parody stuff, not all of it, less and less, you know. And especially when, because there is talent out there, man. Our guys got talent, bro. And it's getting, it, you know, again, it's this stuff didn't exist. Like, uh, I think that we've really came a long way. Because I can remember, you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, bro, none of this stuff was going on like this. People weren't having these type of conversations we're having today. You know, people were busy just talking about like, hey, you know, which Jew runs this? You know what I mean? Now, today, we're having real conversations about community and a way forward. And this is already a big thing. But... Yeah, that's that's really I I'm saying with it. No face Nate when he came to me and he sent me his first like couple things, I was like, that's it, man. I was like, you're on the team, you know, yeah, like you that, that's. Yeah, gotta have it. I was like, yeah, what do you want? Like, you know, boom, let me, let me get you on. You know, whatever you need, I'll make sure we'll take care of it. You know, what's your uh, what's your favorite song? Uh, the um, I'll tell you exactly which one it is. Hold on, just a second. Mine's to the death. Ma mask off, mask up. Mask off. Yeah, mask yeah. Off. Mask there you off. go. It was yeah. the first mask one off. I heard. It was the very first one I heard. Uh, it was mask off. I also like Eternal. Uh, but I'd have, I'd have to say mask off is my favorite one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all the stuff is good. I like Eternal best. I, I was a big big fan of Eternal. Of course, Rise Above because he he actually did that. There was um. 
uh, a podcast this, this New York Times journalist um, did on Rise Above Movement, and, and he went a lot into my history. This, this actually, this cocksucker went to my neighborhood where I grew up at and, like, interviewed kids that, like, I, I grew up with to, like, you know, find stuff. Anyway, I guess uh, Nate came across that podcast, and then he wrote that song, Rise Above, so it had, like, some some things from that podcast he put, you know, pretty much into that song. So I, I, that was a, a good one. But I definitely like Eternal personally the best. I mean, first, you know, yeah, it's it's a pretty sick one. No, he does great fucking work, man. But shit, man, we've been going a little over two hours. I'm going to uh, let anybody in the chat, if y'all got any questions for Rob, man, please put them in the chat. Uh, we'll, we'll send them that way. We'll do a couple minutes of that, and then we'll let Rob get on out of here. It's late as fuck where he's at, guys. He's uh, Thank you very much for, for doing this with us so late, bro. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pleasure, man. I, I will uh, I'll sleep in tomorrow, you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, while we're waiting on um, any questions to come through in the chat, uh, I'm going to post your mediatorise.com link here in the chat. Any other plugs, any other things you want to get out there? Yeah, you could check out, of course, willtorise.com and activeclub.org. Okay, willtorise.com. Okay, uh, objective reality. Let's scroll up. All right, I'll see if I can find it, objective reality. It might have already fucking went away. Yeah. The last thing I have from you in here, objective reality, is F. That's the last thing I can see from you. Uh, And then you posted my link. Rob, yeah. do you hear some of that New York sound a little bit in neat? I find it's there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He does. And he, he told me that he was uh, pretty inspired by all that. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, hear, I hear it. I appreciate that. It's not, it doesn't sound like how we got to get a California style rapper. Yeah, but, yeah. The English guy who sent me is like is, is way, way different stuff. Um, Nice. Kind of strange, but I think he's he's a he'll be something we could work with, um, and hopefully we'll we'll have him on the team too. But yeah, if there's anyone else out there who wants to, uh, you know, throw their hat in the ring, man, feel free. Oh, me and Johnny might have an album down the pipe. Hey, I keep saying I'm gonna make the first Wignat drill rap album, huh? <laughs> Maybe I might actually have to do it. <laughs> uh, objective reality says, uh, and I mean, I think we pretty much all know the answer to this. So he says, I want to know how to respond if the government comes after us or our guys. Uh, no comment. No, you just, uh, yeah, man. You, I mean, you say that. Comment. You say that. No yeah. comment. You no, shut the no, fuck no, up. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I would say? Here's here's a, a thing, something, a little trick. The one thing I would say, a little trick, is to already, right now, get familiar with the lawyer. If you just go into an office, right, and just pretend, make up a whole bullshit story, say, you know, my friend, he's involved in something, and, and he kind of came at me for it. And just in case, you know, can I take your card? I just wanted to meet with you. Maybe I'm, I'll put you on retainer. I sound like you're about to pay, but make that face-to-face. Save his card. Keep the card in the wallet. If something happens, boom, you whip out that card. Already whipping out that card shows that, you know, you got a little something behind you. You know what I mean? Already right there, they'll act a little more according to plan. If you act like an idiot and just like, oh, you know, when, when they come and harass you, you know, already they'll try and take advantage. 
you whip out that 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 card, you already sound like you know you're a little confident, like oh yeah, it's my lawyer here. And if they call, he's familiar with you, so he might like he'll listen to what they have to say. It's it's not like you're calling a random number. This guy met you face to face, so he'll be clear and he'll expect that you know he'll get paid. So you kind of have a in a way, it's kind of having a lawyer on retainer without having to pay. Yeah, and that I mean that's the only other so, thing I could say other than shutting yeah. the fuck up. Yeah, immediately get a hold of a lawyer. Or yeah, that's actually a really good idea. I never thought of anything like that. Yeah, have a lawyer's card on hand, because then even if they take your wallet and property and shit, they can they'll get it to you, right? You say you got your lawyer's card in your wallet, they'll get it to you and shit like that. Yeah, that's one hundred percent good advice. But the best advice, man, is shut the fuck up. I'm telling you guys, man, I've been in the legal system. They don't fucking ask you questions when they got your ass booked. They just arrest your ass. Unless they want you to snitch on somebody. But they ain't asking you questions about what you did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so the best yeah. the best policy in any of that is to just shut the fuck up. Just shut yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I would also say, too, yo, you know, another thing, too, is gauge the situation. You don't got to be overly. Because I've, I've, I'll tell you this. I've been taken in. For no reason. Because I've seen some videos people send in and they must be in, in, in a decent town or something. You know, or, or some places. I've been literally taken into Central Bookings in Queens one time. I just asked the cop if this was necessary. We had an open container. Guy was busting my balls. And I was just like, yo, man, is this necessary? And this dude wigged out. He was like, ne necessary? You want to see necessary? And he was like slamming me. We were at the uh, at, at the subway station. It was like, you know, to stay out of the rain or whatever. He's like slamming me around the thing and, and took me in, ran me through central bookings. I don't even know what I was charged with. The, the charges were dismissed by the time, but I spent the night in central bookings for it. So, you know, um, what After I would say is just the whole building, like, yeah. sometimes you could just be polite and just be like, yeah, sorry, bro. Like, that's why I think the lawyer thing is best because you could kind of hit him with the politeness where like, hey, listen, I'm. You know, you could speak to my lawyer, bro. You know, I'm not saying it's, it's, there's a, you could say fuck off too, of course. You know what I mean? That works as well. I've done that as well. There's, there's always a different that. brain. I don't, work. man. I don't suggest that, man. It just tell them, like, hey, man, look, I don't have anything to say, officer. Huh? Don't start acting like a nigger and trying to fight him and shit, man. You're just going to make it harder on yourself. If you're booked, you're booked. If you're not, you're not. Just shut the fuck up. I mean, that's just me personally. That, that's, that's yeah, just the way the legal system works. Yeah, once you're in your cuffs, too, man. That's man, that's it. Yeah, it's over with. Yeah, take it. Yeah, look forward for the child, bro. Yeah, uh, yeah, get ready. Start start them push-ups early, bud. Yeah, uh, Mr. White Tuber. Uh, no, we had to go early because Rob is uh in a, a way different time zone, so it's late as fuck for him where he's at. <laughs> so we had to kind of go as early as we could. Uh, what's up, Bubba? Thanks for being here. Um, let's see. I think it's important to know what you did wrong also. Like for, for a lot of like our protocols, there's a lot of things that we do that aren't illegal. So just being smart and knowing like what you're doing and what's illegal and what's not. You know, somebody said, you know, you could, it was Chris on the, on the NSC show, but he said, you know, stickering, you could catch a vandalism charge, but just showing up at the St. Patrick's Day parade with a banner is totally legal, right? So it's about picking your spots. And if you end up like being smart and not doing anything wrong, then you don't have to do anything to worry about. So if the government catches up with you, and you didn't do anything wrong, just shut up and you'll be fine. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's good to know a little bit, you know, a couple of basics uh, of law to know what you're about to get 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 involved with. Yeah, a lawyer, I'm sure, can help with that too on some level. 
or, or just knowing someone. So I think that's a great suggestion. Robert E. Pyle says he gave advice for men to meet women that are afraid to talk to girls. He's like, I don't have that problem. My problem is that the town I live in is becoming more non-white. And I can't find a single white woman because of it. Any advice to meet women other than moving out of town? Hmm. Well, you know, I mean, you could always just, you know, go to practice. <laughs> yeah. But um, I wouldn't suggest that. Uh, well, that's rough, man. If there's no no white chicks and that's what you're looking for, obviously that's what you should be looking for. But if there's there's nothing going on and you don't want to move out of town, then I, I don't know. You know what I mean? If there's nothing right. there. There's there. You Guys? know, what can you say? Guys think I'm joking when I say this, but I'm dead ass serious. Learn how to two-step. Go find a country western bar. You will find a smoking hot little white, single white chick at a country western bar doing line dances and two-steps. If Hell you yeah, I want to do that. We got nothing like that up here. I want to do that. Dude, I'm telling you, I can two-step, man. There ain't nothing wrong with that. I can two-step. No, I can, can two-step, I can cha-cha slide, and I can Cupid Shuffle. I can do all this <laughs> shit. Cuban shuffle. Uh, yeah, it's a line dance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can do all that shit, man. And women love that shit, dude. You will 100% meet a woman if you learn how to do those things. Learn how, those little cheesy, stupid fucking line dances that they do in those country western bars and learn how to two-step. I'm telling you. Trust That's me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, I think that's it. I think that's it, man. All right, man. Well, man, Rob, dude, it's been a hell of a fucking ride, dude. Thank you once again very much for coming on, man. It's been an honor to get to sit here and shoot the shit with you, man. Uh, anything yeah, anything you want to say on the way out of here, bro? Oh, man, you know, um, well, hopefully some guys take some of some, the uh, couple, if I dropped a couple gems in there, you know, pay attention to them. Um, you know. Just do uh do your thing. Stay with the three point um three point oh style. You know, really uh take things serious around. And and I heard somebody say this the other day, but I'll say it again: is you know remember that we are dissidents and and to act like them. You know what I mean? To to not Absolutely. be you know stupid and things like this. To take things to take things serious. We're in a serious situation. You know, it's, we we can joke around, but end of the day, you got to take this this very serious and and treat yourself serious. So that that's about it. You know. I said, I said a lot in here. <laughs> well, it was great hearing from you, brother. Uh, and yeah, absolutely. Realize that you're a dissident and start behaving like one. That's some of the best advice you can get right there. Uh, Mr. Akila, anything you want to say on the way out of here, Bubba? Um, big, huge thank you to Rob. Uh, he was really candid, and I think people are just going to love it. Um, so um, really appreciate that. Really appreciate everything he's done. Again, uh, I'll repeat it again, but I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for all the efforts Rob's put in. So thanks to him for that. And uh, just to the audience and to the people, you know, uh, find your find your brothers in real life and treat them like your family, you know. Um, yeah, tribe and train. There you go, tribe right and train. Tribe and train, and that's it right there. Guys, go out there and get active. Not only just, uh, once again, man, not only just in your pro-white community, and building bonds there. That's that's immensely important. But get active in your local community. You can't change anybody's hearts or minds if you don't know who the fuck they are, if you've never shaken their hand, if you've never looked in their eyes. So go out and start being Mr. Community. Go out, start doing, uh, you know, uh, Mike, I know where I'm from. They have like these Habitat for Humanity things you can sign up for. 
and you can go volunteer to build houses and shit like that on your weekends. Uh, uh, Also, another one I uh, suggest is uh, Toastmasters. For guys who are scared of social interactions, go join your local Toastmasters. Toastmasters is a a thing that public speakers join to, like, practice public speaking. They have them in every city and most, like, you know, decent-sized suburbs and towns, man. Find your local Toastmasters. Get active in your local community and get active in your local dissident uh, white community, guys. As always, take care of yourselves and take care of one another. One people, one struggle. God bless y'all family. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. Keep your eyes.